Hello and welcome to the Big 12 Country Podcast, where four guys in jockstrap will be covering college football and providing content and HSOs from around the Big 12. That's how things kind of wrapped up in the Cotton Bowl. It went a little bit longer than that. There was kind of some back and forth at the end. A whole lot of ugly. Uh, Oklahoma couldn't quite close it out. They gave Texas the ball back for another 30 seconds or so. A lot of penalties, a lot of reviews, but that's how the scoring wrapped things up there to end that game. Kind of ended up being the game of the weekend uh, in the Big 12. I kind of had higher hopes for the one going on with West Virginia, but, uh, you know, I, I them and Tech, you know, Tech jumps out to a pretty big early lead. And then West Virginia ends up coming back and closing it out at the end. And that was a good game, too. Not taking anything away from it. This one just happened to be kind of the more popular one, the more watched one. Uh, and, you know, the, those two kind of being the flagships of the, of the conference and kind of had a lot of a lot of people were paying attention to that one. So um, another really good, crazy weekend in the Big 12. Had a few blowouts. Uh, I don't know that anybody quite did. We Did anybody? Did you see what Iowa State did to Kansas happening? <laughs> I don't know that I thought it would be that bad. I knew they would blow them out pretty good. I didn't know that they would shut them out. Yeah. That kind of surprised me. But, I mean, we've talked about it all year. Kansas is, Kansas is just not progressing at this point. I, I figured going into this season that we'd see some improvement, and we just we haven't seen it yet. Yeah. Is, is, is it kind of like have they gotten any better at all this year? It doesn't seem like they've gotten got worse. <laughs> like, I, you know, you kind of expect that little bit of a progression of a team. Um, you know, that's why I always get so irritated when people are like, well, what happened in September? You know, that's concrete and da 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 Well, that's not really fair because teams improve throughout the year. With Kansas, I don't know that that's really true. Well, you kind of remember going back into our spring revelations when we talked to, I believe it was Jesse Newell, he mentioned that the defense was a concern, and they've struggled mightily this season. And then you factor in them bringing, into a, or bringing in a new offensive coordinator, bringing in a new system and everything. It just it hasn't worked so far. Mm-hmm. You know. Well, and I don't, they haven't quite got to play from the quarterback position. I think they thought they would either. I mean, has he really? From the little bit I've got to see of Kansas this year, I don't know that. I don't know. It seemed like people had really high hopes for the kid. Yeah, and, and uh, unfortunately, we didn't get to see the Kansas that we thought we were going to get to see in spring with uh, Lequiviante Gonzalez being dismissed, and then mm-hmm. Octavius Matthews unfortunately having to retire due to health reasons. Mm-hmm. It just—it's not the team that we thought we were going to see. And and yeah, I mean, Bender has struggled. There's he's struggled with accuracy. I don't know if it's you know the weapons aren't there or or what. I think I still think that they can get better than what they've been. They've been just flat out awful this year. Is yeah, that a really a way to sugarcoat it. Unfortunately. Yeah, uh, and it, we'll get to all these games. We'll round them out. Stillwater, you, you had another blowout. Uh, did you see that one coming? I didn't think it'd be that bad. No, in fact, I you know I have to pick the against the spread a lot and. 
I did. I picked Baylor to cover. I thought the line was crazy. I think it ended up being like twenty six points. Mm, so almost four touchdowns. Yeah, I, there was no way with the OSU offense we'd seen the last couple of weeks. I didn't. I didn't think it was going to happen. And then for them to go out and not only cover the spread pretty easily, but also if, if you watch the game, it could have been worse. Mm-hmm. And and in fact, in the game, OSU set the all time record for OSU for total yards in a game. And didn't ba- and correct me if I'm wrong because you know you had so many situations with the. The late start in Kansas and what was going on in the Cotton Bowl and everything else. If I recall right, wasn't the only TD they had that first one on the fumble? Yes. That was it the whole time? They Yeah, they drove the length of the field, just ran the ball down OSU's throat and put it in the end zone on the fumble. And, you know, they had opportunities later in the game, but it, it just could never, you know, they would drive down the field and have sustained drives for a bit, get to the red zone and just sputter out and have to settle for a field goal. Mm-hmm. And like I said, over in uh, Manhattan, you had some pretty nasty weather, which we had mentioned early in the day. One of our, well, a guy that does Kansas State for us, he lives in Manhattan or the Manhattan area, and he texted us early that morning on Saturday and said the weather was getting pretty ugly there. And so we kind of kept an eye on that. And, uh, you know, I think if I flipped over, I think it was about 1245-ish our time, Central, and then the game was finally going. I think at that point they were just a few minutes into the first quarter, which would have been, what, an hour and 45 minutes roughly after when they were supposed to start. So, you know, that I'm sure that had some kind of effect on the game. I don't know. It ended up being kind of a dull game, really. Uh, TCU, I mean, TCU handled them no problem, you know, basically. But at the same time, you know, I kind of expected them to – I don't know. I think you just saw the effects of them being in the locker room that long. It just was kind of a drab situation. It wasn't, any, it wasn't near the performance I expected out of TCU or Kansas State, to be honest, uh, on that one. Uh, I'm forgetting the – oh, what's the other one I'm forgetting? I'm forgetting one of them. Did I hit all five of them? No, I think that's all five of them. Yeah, because the Cotton Bowl already happened. So, anyway – so that's all of them. Uh, we will get around to hit up some of those real quickly. Talking about nationally, uh, you know, Georgia went on and trounced Missouri. That one wasn't even close. You know, at first Missouri, <laughs> Missouri jumps out to a pretty good lead, and people are freaking out and losing their mind on online and everything. And you know, Georgia just ends up putting them away. Alabama destroys Arkansas. Uh, I don't think anybody really thought that one was going to be much of a game. Uh, Clemson, you know, they lose, what was that, Friday night? Mm-hmm. Friday night? Syracuse. Uh, they get knocked off. Washington State goes down the same night to Cal. That's some, that's two undefeateds that went down there that fell in the polls. Well, and in some local some local news, Nebraska just gets housed by Ohio State. Yep, and I I kind of think that might have uh, been Riley's final final shot there. If, if he had anything left. I don't know that he did. Uh, people didn't seem to be too high on that higher as it was. Uh, but, you know, I, and now rumors are they're going to go after um, Leach up at Washington. So I find that interesting because, you know, they hired Riley, and he, and he's kind of a spread offensive guy, and he doesn't really fit Nebraska. He never has, in my opinion. I never liked the hire from day one, to be honest. And – now they're talking about – and a lot of people have complained about that. You know, he doesn't fit Nebraska. He's not part of it. Now they're going after Leach, who uh, is even more farther that direction. So Here's a question for you. Is there a, a Nebraska guy? I don't know. There's a, well, first of all, you know everybody's going to say Scott Frost. But I, I don't know. It's not like he's going to go out there and run the triple option. So what is a Nebraska guy nowadays? Because right. what we know Nebraska to be doesn't exist anymore. Nobody, Unless you're Paul Johnson out at Georgia Tech. Well, even then – 
how serious, how good has Georgia Tech ever truly been? Yeah, I mean they're gonna upset some people. What was it like two years ago? Was they're probably the best they've ever been? Well, what's their, their ceilings like nine or ten wins? Yeah, so I, you know, <clears throat> I don't, I don't know. I mean, I guess, and nowadays, if it was me, and you're wanting to kind of a Nebraska guy, maybe a pro style type guy, something like that, especially in the Big Ten, uh, where they they like to be a little more of a play in the box type group over there, but. I don't know. We'll see. I, I don't know. Mike Leach, it sounds – I mean, I, I I see the connection. I see why with moves and everything. But I just don't know that uh, – I, I don't know. I, it just seems so odd after everybody's complained about Riley being there. So I just To, to me, Nebraska is no longer – you know, obviously they're not what they were. Mm-hmm. I just don't think they can get back to what they were. No, I don't think it's realistic either. I think that the – them leaving the Big 12 has impacted them more than they ever could have imagined. Yeah, they lost a lot of recruiting from down here. I know that. And and for them to kind of get back on that bandwagon, they're going to have to go national. And they're starting to do that. They've gotten some footing into California slowly and things like that. But I don't know. It's going to – they're de- they're going to have to find a way to get up into Ohio and some of those Big 10 areas that are really rich with talent. Maybe up all the way up to New Jersey where Rutgers is at. Get some of those guys and all that. So – uh, you know, we'll see how that goes. I'm not sure exactly, but well, to me, again, if you're going to go after a Nebraska guy, at least doesn't fit that. So we'll see what they end up doing there. Um, but yeah, it was a pretty crazy weekend. It was another one of those weekends where people are constantly talking about, oh, it's going to be a dull weekend. It's going to be a dull weekend, and I don't know how many times people are going to fall for that because apparently the teams <laughs> go in thinking it's going to be a dull weekend too, and then the craziness ensues. So. Um, we're going to talk to, I think, four of the five contributors tonight, I believe. Yes, because uh, one of them won't be able to come on with us. Talk to them about their games and what they saw. Uh, we will have to talk to uh, – we will have to do TCU ourselves because we're not able to get him on. So we will talk to we will talk about that game. We're going to talk about the contributors that covered each winning team because that was the easiest way to do it tonight. As far as this uh, Sunday night thing goes, for those of you who have listened to us for a while, we're going to try to continue to do that. Um, it's going to work out better for us. I know it's been kind of an up and down, crazy couple of weeks. We've been on, we've been off. It's Life has just gone crazy for us this year versus last year. Last year, this was much easier to pull off. Everything was consistent. I don't think we missed a show the entire season. Yeah, that's the purpose of having kids. So things have gotten nuts. And now my kid's old enough to actually do things, so it affects me too, or in the past it didn't. Um, and Colin and Brady aren't on right now with us. They're busy doing their things. Kendall. Uh, what did I say, Colin? I'm sorry, Colin. <laughs> I, Kendall and Brady are not on with us right now. They're busy doing their things. So uh, it's, what we're going to try to do is we're just going to try to use our guys more that are, ha- that we've had bring in to cover these teams. We feel like they're finally ready. Uh, most of them we brought in in the summer. Uh, some of them have had, you know, some – kind of not really sure if they want to, to come on and do this kind of thing. So it's slowly been trying to get them to where they feel like they're ready to do that. Um, you know, it doesn't bother us. We suck, whatever. We don't care. But it, I guess it was a little bit of a fear for some of them. So uh, that's kind of what we're going to do. We're going to use them to kind of help us until we can get Colin or Kendall. I can't, sorry, Colin. Until we can get Kendall and Brady back on with us. Uh, and when we do, things will be back to normal, hopefully. And the show will go on. I apologize. That was never in the plans. It was not part of anything that was supposed to happen. So that's what's been going on with us. Um, uh, uh, Contrary to popular belief, the Iowa State upsetting Oklahoma had nothing to do with the reason we weren't on last week. Uh, We really wanted to be, but there was a lot of things that happened and we couldn't make it work. So uh, hopefully we go uninterrupted the rest of the year. I apologize for that, and we'll see what happens. Um, So first year... We are going to go talk to Corey. Corey covers Iowa State for us, and we are getting ready to bring him on now. So, 
All right, so joining us now is Corey. He covers Iowa State for us. Uh, how you doing, Corey? Good. How are you guys? Uh, pretty good, pretty good. I think you've been on the show with us a few times, haven't you? Uh-huh. Okay. I thought so. I couldn't quite remember. Uh, well, yeah, that's right. You did the uh, the one night you filled in for Colin uh, when we had to do yeah. – uh, I can't even think of what the word is I'm looking for. When we had to do – well, when we did the uh, – we, That was week two. Yeah, when we did the – I can't think of the word for it. Where we called everybody like this, basically. Mm-hmm. Trying to think of the word for it that I use for it. I can't remember now. Uh, so anyway, you've been on with us. Um, so you cover Iowa State for us. I don't know. You've been on here with as an Iowa State guy for us, but I don't remember that night. Did you specifically break down Iowa State? Yeah. Okay. Because I couldn't. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I was just trying to think of the Iowa State fans that ever heard you before. I guess they have. Okay. So they should be somewhat familiar. Yeah, uh, preview too. Oh, yeah, you did do that, didn't you? I forgot about that. Sorry, it's been three months since, <laughs> however long since then I've slipped. So, anyway, all right. So, you know, Iowa State Saturday, we decided to bring on the winners this week, the guys that cover the teams that won. And, obviously, Iowa State kind of handed it to Kansas pretty well. Um, it, kind of, it kind of appears they did whatever they wanted to do. Is that fair to say? Oh, yeah. I mean, anytime you have a shutout and put up 45 points, you can say that. Well, you know, sometimes these scores aren't quite indicative, but I don't really know what else to take from uh, 45 to nothing other than – and I'll be honest, I didn't get to watch it because it was mayhem Saturday morning. You know, you had the late Kansas State start, and you had, it ended up being about four games on at once because of that, and it, it was a nightmare. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, I didn't get to watch this one very much. Um, as far as, you know, is there is there anything just first and foremost you felt like we could take away from – is, is Iowa State kind of – you feel like they're rolling now after the Oklahoma win, or was this just more Kansas is that bad? I think it's a little bit of both because I was afraid – I wasn't afraid that they would lose the game, that Iowa State would lose the game, but I wasn't sure if they would come out with the same tenacity that they had at Oklahoma mm-hmm. because it's Kansas. I mean, let's face it. But you can't say everything is Iowa State because, I mean, Kansas put up 106 total yards. They <laughs> didn't have a bit of fight. Well, and see, that's what uh, – that's one thing that impressed me, and I, and I regret that we didn't get to go back and talk about OU-Iowa State that because I wanted to hit on some things they did that really impre- – they, they tackled so well in that game. It was oh, a, yeah. It was a case of just kind of letting – kind of laying back, letting OU do things in front of them, in front of the defense, and then they just kind of swooped in and tackled. They tackled really well as a group uh, as opposed to Oklahoma who tackled like crap in that game. So, oh, yeah. you know, I, I kind of was hoping to see if some of that kind of carried over. Is that kind of fair, some of this that carried over into this Kansas game? Yes. Um, th- during the Oklahoma game, you could see very clearly guys were wrapping up and at the very least diving at ankles to make sure guys weren't going to get away from them, mm-hmm. like grab a leg and hold on. Mm-hmm. And it continued again. I mean, there was – the defense had no issue all day. What about Park? Did Park – you know, I know in the Texas game – you know, that was kind of – people were kind of down on him. I remember people were talking about, hey, we need to bring Landing in on this. And then, you know, we didn't get to see him at all in Oklahoma. Did we get to see anything from him this weekend? No, sir. It was Kyle Kemp got the start and Zeb Nolan came in towards the end. Okay. So, he didn't get to see him at all. So, he didn't play at all this weekend then. Well, he, he had oh. carries. He didn't pass. Oh, did okay. Yeah, he had eight carries for 34 yards. Park did? Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you said Lane. No, no, I said Park. That's what I was asking no. about was Park. Okay, so Park no, didn't play at all. That's what I was trying to find out because uh, do we know, do we have, that's kind of what we're leading at here. Do we have any kind of update on him as far as, you know, is he, got, when he's going to be back? 
I've got nothing, but I've seen that Wider Eye Natty Light has been looking at it, like kind of hinting that we might see them mm-hmm. and see him again, but I don't think it's going to happen. Well, with that said, and as good as Kemp has played, do you kind of? Oh yeah. I mean, it, uh, what do you think? There's some kind of. I mean, is there a quarter a quarterback competition now? Is there an issue? I mean, do you do you feel? Have you heard anything? Seen anything? Or just in your personal opinion, do they have to give Kemp a chance? I think so because I mean, look what he did at Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. That's number three team in the nation in Norman. Nobody wins in Norman, and he just went in there and threw for over 300 yards and I believe three touchdowns, no interceptions, and his passer rating was like 70 points higher than the leading FBS guy in Baker Mayfield. Okay, well, because here's kind of my question is, and it's kind of multi, you know, obviously we want to give him a chance here to see what he thinks he can do, but do you think, and I, and I wanted to ask this on last week's show, and again, we didn't get to do this. Do you think with um, Park back there, they beat Oklahoma? No. From what from the last From what we saw of him last in Iowa State against Texas, do you think they win that game if he's playing quarterback? No, because the turnover margin was number one reason. It was only one to nothing, but it was the number one reason they won because uh, Oklahoma turned the ball over on the, on Iowa State's six-yard line, gave up a touchdown on the ensuing drive by Iowa State, and lost by seven. Mm-hmm. If Park had been in there, he had thrown at least one interception in every single game except for one, I believe so, and he threw three against Texas. Mm-hmm. I think there would have been uh, – at least one turnover to even the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, see, that's kind of where. <clears throat> personally, I agree. I don't. I mean, the Iowa State fans can get upset if they want. I don't think they win that game in Norman if he's quarterback. I just think I'm not knocking him, but I mean, it's like Kyle Kemp was not necessarily afraid, but he was more of let's take what we can get. Let's not try to do anything big, except for a couple of plays that was wide open. Mm-hmm. But uh, Park would have had some overthrows. It would have been different. Yeah, exactly, and I I think Kip executed, and you know, people understand too. Some people are oh, he's a third string quarterback. He's not exactly like a redshirt freshman or something. I mean, the kid's been around a little bit. Uh, he's yep. transferred. You know, it's not, and I'm not, you know, that's not to say necessarily he's, you know, Peyton Manning either. That's not what I'm getting at. But it, the point is, he he was ready to handle some of this stuff, and he took it on well, and he did it well. And you know, then to roll into you know Kansas when they could have been kind of. You know, it could have been a game where there, you know, it could have been somewhat of a hangover that's common. I mean, look at what Oklahoma, for instance, after Ohio State. Terrible hangover they had in that game. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it's it's easy to expect that. And to get them fired back up and to play well, and obviously they executed well on offense. Uh, you know, Montgomery had a, another pretty good game, another pretty good day. I mean, nothing crazy, nothing huge, but he did pretty well. Uh, I'm sorry, tar- I meant Martin. <laughs> I can't talk. Montgomery, I'm reading the wrong running backs here from Kansas. Did I say Montgomery? I thought I said Martin. Montgomery had another pretty good day, nothing too crazy. Uh, But, you know, go ahead, Colin. I was going to say, before we get too deep into this this individual game, do you think when Park does come back, do we have a quarterback controversy? That's what I asked him. Yeah, (laughs) I do, and I could not tell you what Matt Campbell's going to do. I want him to keep Kempt in unless he does something drastic, but I can't say that you have to give – you have to bench the guy completely who's been there for two years now. Well, it just, it, to, to me, to get my point across on this, it seems like this is the type of quarterback you need that's not necessarily a game changer, mm-hmm. but a game manager. Exactly. You have a strong yeah. running game with David Montgomery. You do have good receivers. Ride the running back. Ride the running game. That's where the su- success is going to come from. If I you agree. have a guy that can just make 
the passes that you need instead of trying to make big plays all the time. I think that suits them better long term. Well, as long as they're going to do that, because I felt like against Texas they got away from the running game too much. I you yes, know I, well, I think I mean, that was because they had Park. twelve touches and yeah, like three of them were catches. So yeah. yeah, I think they just fell in love with the pass game in this. If you if you know what you have with Kemp and he's just not necessarily a game changer, but a game manager. Ride what ride what what's working for you. And we've all said all season long, David Montgomery is, you know, any other team he might be. First team all be twelve. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I still think he may be the most gifted running back in the, in the league right now. Like I don't know that there's a better one. And I agree. I mean, he had what seventy five yards I'm seeing this weekend. Three touchdowns. Uh, I mean, the guy did I got really 68. good. Sixty eight. Yeah, I got sixty eight. Oh, for this three touchdowns. Okay, net sixty. Yes, with the seven that he lost. Yes, sorry, I didn't get factored in his yards lost. Uh, uh, yeah. yeah, and and they're still running the ball with landing a little bit. Um, you know. Do you see them using Lanning in every game? Is it just something they're going to do? Because it doesn't seem like they're going to get away from that. I, I, Mike Warren only had four carries for six yards. You know, it, it doesn't really see his long was three. So is it just a lack of having another option they feel is good besides Montgomery? Is that why they're using him? Or is it just, hey, Lanning, we're going to let him run the ball because he does it well? I don't think it's mistrust in Mike Warren. Because whenever they do put him in, I mean, he only had four carries, so you can't say anything. But he did good things against Oklahoma, too. And then in all the other games, he's done, he's had carries and done good things. But I think it's more of not sure what to do with Kyle Kemp yet. Because mm-hmm. we didn't see Joel Landing run, I don't think, at all until Park went out. So they kind of said, hey, we're not sure what this guy's going to do. And we know that Joel Landing has been there, done that. And we're just going to give him the ball, trust in the guy who's been there. And let it happen. I am surprised that they did it against Kansas when they quite obviously didn't need to. But I think that means that they're going to continue to as long as Park is out. I, I think they're going to do it too. Also, you look at it more as when, when Lennon is in, he's obviously not passing the ball. I mean, he may yep. just occasionally just to kind of get them to respect the pass. But with this, you almost have to look at it as, as a wildcat package. So just another wrinkle the defensive coordinator. Six attempts against Oklahoma, but he did not have one this week. Right. It's just another wrinkle that defensive coordinators have to prepare against. And, I mean, obviously he runs the ball well. He's done it his whole career. So if you have a, if you have him, you can limit his touches but make the most out of those touches, then why not? Yep. As far as, you know, defensively, is there anything you want to highlight? I mean, it, they just shut him down so much. Is You know, is there – uh, performance we need to mention, you know, I don't know. that any, Did anybody just overwhelm you statistically? Joel Lanning led tackles, which is not or not surprising. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty 10. expected at this point. I mean, everybody else, it was fairly even across the board. The next guy, total tackles after Lanning, is Cotton Moya and Marcel Spears both had five, which is mm-hmm. way under their usual totals. Yeah. But I did – Ray Lima's name was jumping off the page, but he only ended up having two tackles. I don't know if he, like, wrapped a guy up and somebody else actually took him down and uh, they gave that person the tackle, but all I heard from Twitter all day was Ray Lima, Ray Lima, Ray Lima, saying that he was the uh, MVP so far of the defense. Well, that's another thing I want to get back again. Impressive with Joel Landon on the team. Well, again, and I, again, I apologize. We didn't get to cover after the Oklahoma game. I was really impressed with that defensive line. It's starting to come. Mm-hmm. It's starting to come along. Uh, that day, that was the best defensive line on the field, Norman. They, oh, yeah. they, they played tremendously. Um, and you know, it's something we, of course, we had hit on several times about how well you know they recruited and got that the, those JUCO guys in top 
three of the top 50, I can't talk to you, I, I apologize, three of the top 50 JUCO guys in the country uh, that they brought in in that in the, after this summer. Uh, and, you know, I we kind of thought maybe it'd be a little bit of a slow get off, some of them not being in camp and everything, but it really seems like that defensive line is really starting to shine. They're gelling very well. And, I mean, when you have the confidence that your linebacker is going to make the tackle, then it makes it a lot easier to want to hold blocks so you can let your guys do the work. And that makes a big difference. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, as far as uh, who do they got next week on the schedule? I haven't looked ahead. Do you know off the top of your head? I just drew a blank. Hold on. Texas Tech. Texas Tech. Okay. Um, you know, That's going to be interesting. Yeah, we'll preview that one a little bit. That's going to be a fun one to watch. Um, it's hard for me to take a lot from this game because they were so dominant. I mean, you know, not to take anything away from what Iowa State did, that's great. I, but I think now we've reached the point with Iowa State where it's time to expect more out of this team. Is that fair? Yes, Cause, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, in years they, we, like, they should go bowling. That is, it's kind of a low ceiling, mm-hmm. but it's the point their program is at. That is what their bowl should be. Yeah. Well, I mean, I feel like in years past, okay, them playing Kansas, that was something to really watch and break down. But I feel like, and I can't believe we're saying this after only a year of him being there, I guess in his second year, we've kind of moved beyond that. It's clear. Yes. And I don't know if maybe that's the Oklahoma win and maybe to some degree that's unfair. But to me, it's time to start expecting a little more out of this program. So to get excited about them destroying Kansas is not something I'm really willing to do. And, you know, maybe if they hadn't upset Oklahoma, I wouldn't quite be to that point yet. But – I think it's time. You're seeing a defensive line play like one of the better in the league. Offensively, things are coming together. You know, we we warned people all spring and summer this offense can be really dangerous if you let it. Now, without mistakes that Park's making, you know, turning the ball over and things, you really start to see what this offense can do. Uh, you know, they're even better running the ball than maybe we thought they'd be at times. So, you know, it, it, it's time. I think it's time to expect a little more from this team. Are they? Are they competing for the conference yet? No, I don't know that they can put together that kind of a year yet. Uh, but still, I think they're you know they're definitely mid tier, and that's not a place they had been in recent years. So, well, and looking at their schedule, we're about to find out. Their next four games are at Texas Tech. They have TCU at home for homecoming at West Virginia, and then OSU at home. Hmm, okay. So I mean, meat of their schedule is coming be a up. Tough stretch. Yep. And it seems like that for a lot of the teams this year. There's like a four game gauntlet for every team that you have to run, and if if mm-hmm. you can somehow come out at three and one, four and zero, oh, you're sitting pretty good. Well, and you know, I think with Iowa State, if they could survive that two and two, I don't think people would be too upset. Well, I think you at know? this point, no, that's what I, that's what my goal is for that four game stretch. It's pretty safe to say that they're going bowling this year because I, I think they're probably we feel pretty comfortable saying they're going to beat Baylor. They're probably going to beat you know one of the three out of TCU, West Virginia, OSU. Mm-hmm. Have a good shot against Tech. So I, I mean, six seven wins pretty easily attainable for them at this point. Yep, I could see. I think it's a toss-up at Texas Tech and a toss-up at West Virginia, but that Oklahoma State game at home, y'all know, especially you, Colin, that's going to be fun. Yeah, I'm not looking forward to that one. <laughs> <laughs> that one's – Iowa State is uh, in Stillwater or no, in Ames? It's in Ames, Ames this year? In Ames. November. It'll probably be a night game, of course. Yep. Yeah, Saturday game this year? If it was in Stillwater, it would be at like 7 a.m., but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> in Ames. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I would assume it's a Saturday game. Okay. I or it does. It better yeah. not be a Friday game. <laughs> November uh, 11th is a Saturday, so yes. Okay. Okay, yeah. Because I, I, it seemed like – oh, OSU already played their Thursday night game this year, didn't no, they? we played a Thursday and a Friday Okay, game. I was going to yeah. say, they had some – okay, that's right, that's right. Now I remember. What happens when you play nobodies? <laughs> yeah. 
Hey, yeah. it's small TV. It's all that matters. <laughs> yeah, that one was pretty bad. Uh, anyway, all right. Well, thanks for coming on with us, Corey. We appreciate that. Uh, again, I wish there was, you know, a little bit more. We could, I Hey, they did awesome. That's all we can say, really, at this point. Um, you know, I don't want to put too much into them destroying Kansas because Kansas isn't quite what we thought they'd be, and Iowa State's even better than we thought they'd be. So, you know. They I think what is expected of them, and that's good enough for me. Yeah. All right, man. Well, thanks for coming on. We appreciate that. Yeah, guys. Yeah, thanks. All right, later. Bye. All right, that was Corey. Thanks for joining us, Corey. Um, real quickly, looking at the Kansas side of things, man, I know you I know you kind of covered Kansas for us last year, so you kind of took us through the summer and the spring, and um, I think we all kind of expected more out of this team, and it's just getting to the point that, like we said, I don't know, they haven't really gotten any better. Yeah, it's very, very frustrating. You know, I know Iowa State's obviously a better team, but you you expect more with the Doug Meacham-led offense, and it really – Really hasn't progressed. I mean, you look at a Doug Meacham-led offense has 44 yards passing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know I, I I don't know what the weather conditions were. It was probably was this game in it was in Ames, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. I don't know if the weather that impacted Kansas impacted Ames at all. Uh, probably not. But I don't remember hearing it. again. I didn't get to really see it. I yeah. saw a few clips of it, highlights of it. I didn't get to really. There's just too many games going on at one time. It, it just seems like when it rains, it pours for Kansas. They've, they've struggled defensively. They they have good players at certain positions. They've struggled at others. It's what, what I've told other people. It's going to be – it looks like another long year for them, unfortunately. Well, it sucks for them, too, is like, you know, they announced this the stadium build and all that, and people are excited about that. And you're coming out of the spring or the summer, and everybody's pretty hyped up after, you know, what happened last year. And, I mean, nobody thought they were going to beat the world. I think most of us had them somewhere between three and four wins for the year. Right. But I think they're – what have they got, one win so far mm-hmm. this year? That That's may be probably it. where they're going to finish. And, see, that was the thing. You thought that coming off of last year, there there seemed to be a step forward, and you wanted to see another step this year, and if not another step, at least the same. And to me, it does feel like we've taken a step back. Mm-hmm. The offense has regressed. The defense has definitely regressed from last year, which was to be expected because they did lose a lot defensively. But you know, coming into the season, we were talking about Dorian Armstrong being a potential, you know, uh, defensive player of the year in the Big Twelve. Mm-hmm. Have you heard his name this season? No. No, exactly. Yeah. No. <laughs> Nobody's mentioned him at all. Yeah, so. and and it's not that he's probably having an, an okay season, mm-hmm. but I don't know, man. It's it, it's been a long year. I've heard a lot of people already, you know, starting to call for for the uh, Beatty's job, mm-hmm. which was surprising. Going into the season, we were, you know, patience, patience, patience. It's you know, kind of going into it's part of the process. The process does not seem to be working this season. So no, it's not getting it, it'll be interesting to see if they don't come up with the marquee win, if they don't win a couple of games down the stretch, is he actually on the hot seat? That, that'll be something to kind of watch as the season progresses. Yeah. I mean, I can't see any scenario where they fire him this year. But I don't know, man. You, you look at what they have going on for him. Do you want to take the chance – with the boosters and stuff of raising this money. I mean, it's it's been announced, but it hasn't been paid. Yeah, but the one thing they can th- look and say, look, this guy's bringing in players. I mean, they're recruiting unlike Kansas has ever But they haven't before. signed anybody. That's Yeah, the I they mean, they got to get there to it, obviously. But if it does work for them, I mean, that's one thing they can say. I mean, I I just don't see how Kansas can sit around and go, oh, we need to get rid of somebody after a year. I mean, this there's, is a team that stuck with Charlie Wise for three years. There's a lot of concerns that I did not have going into this season. You have to wonder – Look at the recruiting. The recruiting is coming from uh, Tony Hall. Mm-hmm. And he had a strong inroad into Louisiana. 
if he doesn't feel like this is a place where he can really grow, does he go somewhere else? Well, I mean, if the staff falls apart, obviously, they could maybe. But I just don't – I don't know. The guy had one really good year for them, you know, where things were good and happy, and they upset Texas. And then the next year, I don't know. It's it's kind of like you're going you're gonna, to – I feel like they deserve to give him one more year after that. I would, opinion, I would totally but. agree with that, but – there seems to be a lot more people voicing it's time to be fired than than not. And, you know, when it comes to making money and raising money, that definitely can happen. I mean, it definitely can decide somebody's job real quick. Uh, you know, Taylor Martin, the running back, he had 17 carries for 59 yards. That was kind of the bright spot of the team, to be honest. Yeah, and I don't that, – that's another thing. Their running game, to me, is so mixed. One week, it seems like Martin's, Carter, Martin's yeah. running – the next week, Dom Williams is leading carries. Mm-hmm. Then you have Khalil Herbert leading in one carries. It just, it's kind of all over the maps. And then now you're having, uh, I mean, Peyton Bender's still the starting quarterback, but you're starting to see Carter Stanley more. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know this was a blowout. It's probably why you get Peyton Bender out, but still, it, it just, it's none of it's working well right now. Yeah, Dom Williams had two carries for nothing. So, I mean, that, you know, I don't, yeah, it seems to be like maybe they don't know what they want to do either. Uh, maybe the maybe a lot of us the coaching I don't know uh, I will say Joe Deneen, another huge game sixteen total tackles ten solo mm-hmm. the guy's been a beast this year he was <laughs> he was injured last year that defense could have been even better last season yeah yeah no doubt no doubt so yeah they didn't really do much else <laughs> uh, not, a, not a whole lot to talk about from uh, Kansas aside but, I mean the leading receiver had sixteen yards yeah so anyway we'll brighter see. brighter days ahead hopefully yeah maybe next year I don't know I really thought they'd do a little more this year. All right. Well, with that, we will move on to the Oklahoma State Baylor game. Uh, we will bring on Cody. Cody covers uh, OSU for us, and we'll let you talk to him real quick. All right. So joining us now is Cody Palacios. I don't think. Uh, well, we just asked him. You guys have never heard him before. He uh, covers Oklahoma State for us. Uh, he joined us in I don't know what August ish somewhere in that ballpark. Sounds uh, pretty good. Sounds, yeah, sounds about right. Okay. So we brought him on. I guess some of you got to read some of his stuff online if you're Oklahoma State fans. So, uh, you know, as far as Oklahoma State this weekend, we, we just got through discussing a blowout between Iowa State and Kansas. Kind of went the same way this weekend for Oklahoma State, didn't it? Uh, yeah, for sure. Um, you know, how, how much of this was, you know, just, was it just, in your opinion, just everything going right for Oklahoma State, or was it just that much of Baylor being bad? How much, you know, what went, it was a great game plan, you know, kind of what went into this win, in your opinion? Um, I know in the first quarter, uh, Oklahoma State offensively just kind of struggled a little bit. Um, Mason didn't seem too, not prepared maybe, but, um, just wasn't accurate enough, um, but then they really started clicking during the second and third quarter. Yeah, to, to me, when I was watching the game, it almost seemed like, I don't know if Rudolph was too pumped or or what was going on, but he was off on a lot of his throws. That's what I was kind of telling Corey before we started is he didn't really have that great of a game. I mean, he still came out with really good numbers, but you can almost put as much as that on the receivers as to Rudolph. What yeah, did you think? Sure. Did, did he have a good game in your opinion, or was it just kind of the numbers ended up being good? Um, from what it looked like, um, yeah, just kind of the receivers, James Washington, obviously. Uh, what a playmaker that guy is. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think uh, that's pretty much it. Yeah. What what did you th- take away from Marcel Aitman? I mean, to me – Watching that game, he only had four catches but came down with 120 yards, including just a, a pretty good touchdown where he just basically shoves off the defender. But to me, he, he's almost played his way into, 
I mean, he, at this point, he has to be drafted. And another NFL guy. What did you think of his game? Um, his game was definitely uh, spot on. You know, he's a uh, think like six four, six five guy. So, yeah, he can definitely jump over uh, receivers and or uh, defensive backs and uh, make plays that uh, other guys usually can't. So. Right. Well, what what'd you take away from the game as far as Oklahoma State running game went? I mean, they ended up with 276 yards rushing, but obviously some of that kind of later in garbage time. But what was what was your overall takeaway on the run game? Uh, Justice Hill looked good. Um, I know he had a breakout. Uh, I can't remember what it was. I think it was like 80 or 90-yard run. Yeah, 79 yards. Um, oh, 79. Okay. Um, yeah, he looked good. Uh, J.D. King looked good. It's a big bruiser um, during the second and third quarter, I think. Right. It, it was kind of nice to see him get involved. He, he only had like, oh, yeah. three carries over the last two games. A lot of Oklahoma State fans been disappointed to see him basically kind of fall off the map, especially with the way that they've struggled scoring in the red zone. To see him getting back involved was, was definitely good. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Well, defensively is kind of my question here because – you know, again, I obviously didn't really get to see much of this one either because of when it was on and the fact that they freaking cut into it. So, um, you and know, I guess Fox you, Business. Yeah, I have. Oh, is that what it was on? I don't yeah. know, man. Like, is that really where it was at? Yeah, Fox Business. Oh, yeah. I didn't know it was on TV because I, I thought you had to have the Fox Sports Go app. So I was trying to play with that. While I was trying to watch the other games, and it was a nightmare. But anyway, so defensively, you know, this team pretty much got ran through against TCU. They kind of did what they wanted to do. We hadn't had a chance to really talk about it. And then they went on a bye week after that, if I recall right, wasn't it? Wasn't it a bye week after TCU? So, uh, yeah. So, uh, I mean, did they did they really come out and play well in this game? Or was this just Baylor didn't really have a clue what they were doing? Because we've seen Baylor be really good this year, and we've seen Baylor be really bad this year. Yeah, I feel like um, they're um... – Oklahoma State's run defense um, kind of stood up in this game. Uh, they're really um, they're really good on first and second downs. Uh, some third downs they were kind of iffy, but overall, I think the run defense and uh, pass game or yeah, passing game was uh, pretty good. So uh, for well, for, how- uh, what Baylor's running. You said they, Colin. You told me earlier that they ran the ball really well in the first drive, and after that they didn't. Did they get away from that, or that was you feel like more Oklahoma State kind of shut that down? I think it was a little bit of both. They never truly shut it down. Baylor finished running; they ran for over two hundred yards, so mm-hmm. they never truly shut it down. To me, it was almost a mix of Baylor never really committed one way or the other. They, you know, that first drive they ran the ball a whole lot. A couple drives after that they passed. They didn't really have a lot of success passing the ball, so they didn't really sustain drives. And when they finally did kind of get a good balance, it just seemed like they would get down into the red zone, drive us all, you know, uh, receiver would drop a ball, the quarterback would get hurried, something would break down, and they'd end up settling for field goals, which going back to, I mean, all the shows that we've really talked about in the past with the Big 12, you're not winning a Big 12 game if you're kicking field goals. Nope. And I think that's <laughs> something that Rule has to, has to see. And I don't know, I heard the announcers in the game talking about it. They're like, well – at this point, it seems like he's kind of just trying to establish your identity. Mm-hmm. If he was actually still trying to win the game, then maybe he's trying to pass the ball more. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't know. To me, Zach Smith never really looked like he was settled in the game. Uh, he definitely – I mean, he finished below 50% passing on the day. When you look at a four-and-a-half-yard uh, four average per attempt. 
Well, but, and that's kind of what I wanted to get at too with people in Baylor is after the Oklahoma game, people are just, you know, this team's going to take off. And I've tried to caution people so much because it's something I've had to learn as a fan. Uh, you know, but one game, man, you just can't take you, – it's so hard to base things on one game. Uh, clearly, there was a, a combination of things that took place that night in Waco that allowed that game to be better than it should have been. And obviously that's not Baylor. Um, that's not what Baylor can be every week, I guess, put it that way. Could they do that again, one performance? And I, and I told you guys, coming on after that show, after that game, in my opinion, I, it may have been on the – it was either on this show or between the ears when I went on there. You will not see a better performance from Baylor all year, in my opinion, than you would than you did that night, and I and I I still believe that that was a really good set of circumstances for them that I don't think will get any better. Well, um, I don't see them putting together all the things they put together in that game again. Well, and they've lost a lot of players since then too. Sadly, I mean, well, that's I the think, other thing we try to tell people in September, at the beginning, they have no depth. Right. This is the thinnest team in the league, probably. Well, and I think it was the uh, Bears uh, Big Twelve Country Twitter account that said. Mims was sick in this game. So, you know, obviously that's going to impact everything. But this, they could never get anything really working after that first drive, it, it seemed. And then OSU, of course, their offense just goes off and clicking on all cylinders after struggling for – I think the, they struggled the first three series. Mm-hmm. After that, it was basically touchdown, 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 field goal, touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. So it was it was pretty much over at that point in the game. I just think, to me, my, my biggest takeaway from this game is – I don't know what's going on with Rudolph, but he was all over the map with, with his passes. I mm-hmm. know they said the wind was blowing like 20 miles an hour. I, you know, I I hate using weather as an excuse, so I don't no, think no. that had any impact on it. But well, he was he was on sometimes an awful lot. Well, Cody, my question to you is, um, you know, going forward, we we talk about how sometimes it's hard to take a whole lot away from a blowout because. When things look that easy, it's hard to feel like that you know that they're going to be able to do things like that again going forward. Um, do you feel like you know? Do you feel like the offense turned a corner in this game at all, or the defense turned a corner in this game, or do you feel like there's just much you can take away from this game at all? Um, maybe the the run defense. I mean, for what Baylor has, uh, just run wise, um, they did pretty good, I guess, in my opinion. Um, Offensively, I mean, they've kind of been the same all year. Uh, Rudolph has put up big numbers, and James Washington has gone off, and um, the third and fourth receiver guys have made plays like Jalen McCleskey and uh, Tyron Johnson uh, a little bit. But, yeah, that's pretty much what I've seen. Okay. Um, Anything else you want to add to this, Cole? Anything else you can take away from this win? (laughs) Yeah, we have to mention Jalen McCleskey making another boneheaded play on a punt return. Did he again? Oh, yeah, yeah. He, he muffed a punt. He went for the fair catch. This might actually have been impacted by the wind. It was a high punt, and he, I think he got caught between you know trying to decide whether to fair catch it or actually try to return it. He mm-hmm. waved for the fair catch, and then he, was, he misplayed it. He was short, so he had to move up a little bit. It came off the fingertips, bounced it. Baylor got it. Ended up Baylor turned it over the very next play on another fumble, so <laughs> didn't actually matter in the grand scheme of things, but I think that's the last we're probably going to see of McCluskey. Well, yeah, that's what I was going to ask, is the Gundy pull him, is there going to yeah, be Yeah, they, they brought in Tylen Wallace. I know Dylan Stoner was hurt for this game, so I think when Stoner's back, he's probably your punt returner going forward. Now, is Tyron Johnson back all the way? Yeah, he's still not involved very much. I mean, they use him a, a little bit in this game, but you know, coming from the Oklahoma State side of things, 
he's a guy that if they really want to truly contend for the Big 12 title, to me, you have to find a way to get him involved. Yeah, he's disgusting. They, well, the problem is, is unfortunately, he play, plays wide receiver, and they're just mm-hmm. so deep there. I mean, who are you taking off the field? Well, and the thing is that they kind of seem like they have a case of – you know, we've seen kind of Oklahoma with four different running backs kind of ride the hot hand whatever mm-hmm. week. It may be some situation like that with Oklahoma State where you've got obviously um, so Washington. being names. Washington is going to get the ball a lot every week. But, you know, after that it might just kind of be a whoever they feel like is going to do the best that weekend. Well, you have, to, you have Washington playing every week. You have Aitman playing every week. McCluskey. So you have basically, if they go four wide, you have one spot open. Mm-hmm. Well, unfortunately, they haven't put Johnson inside. He's the backup for Washington. Yeah. To me, that's where he's got to go. You got to find a way to play him inside next to Washington. If you have those two guys on the same side of the field, I don't know how you cover that. Especially yeah. when they get into the more serious game. I mean, they did play TCU, but there's going to be some more serious well, and games see, that's, to play. That's the thing that worries me. If you're really going to get him involved, and you're you're so-called kind of in quotes holding him back for the bigger games. Mm-hmm. You can't take a loss. No. If you have any plays in the book for him, he should have been there. And I don't even think he played in a, in a TCU game. If he did, it was just on the kickoff returns. Yeah, exactly. So, all right. Well, thanks for coming on, Cody. We appreciate that. Uh, we'll talk to you going forward. Uh, anything else you want to mention or get out there about Oklahoma State before we let you go? Um, I'm definitely excited for uh, this week's matchup versus Texas. I'll be at that game, so – Hopefully I'll have some good content for you guys. Yeah. If you can, take some photos and we'll put them on the website. Oh, for sure. All right, Cody. Thanks. We'll talk to you later, man. All right. Thank you, guys. All right. That was Cody. Uh, kind of looking over to the Baylor side of things. You know, I, I know we talked about it a little bit there, but uh, is there anything else you – I mean, you saw the game, so is there anything else we need to really mention about Baylor before we move on? Yeah, they kind of rode the hot hand a little bit in the game. John Lovett started at running back – he looked good at times. The the one that I really wanted to point out, Terrence Williams came back in this game, and he looked dang good. Mm-hmm. He, he broke off a 39-yard run. But he he, I, I, he has to be the starter going forward. I know uh, Rule's kind of been writing love it, it seems like. I don't mm-hmm. know if Williams was obviously in the doghouse due to some disciplinary reasons here in the past. I think he's earning his way back out there. I think he's probably going to be the starter going forward. Jamichael Hasty came back. This was his first game coming back off of injury. Mm-hmm. He didn't play a lot. Obviously, wasn't that effective when he did. But obviously, they're going to try to work him back into it. it. It was a bit weird because, you know, when we talked to Kevin Barrera in the offseason, we had asked him about this Tristan Ebner. He's the uh, freshman mm-hmm. that we had heard was going to get some playing time. And obviously, he's going to be a factor going forward also. But it kind of goes into what you were talking about Oklahoma's running back a second ago. You have four running backs who's playing. At running back to me, and this was a problem that OSU had last season, you got to just commit to one or two guys and ride with them, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. You can't keep running back and forth between all these different running backs. Well, to me, I just don't know. I mean, to me, Terrence Williams is probably your most gifted one. Yeah, and they mentioned that during the game. The broadcaster brought up that he's obviously he's the upperclassman. He's you know returning 1,000-yard rusher. So I think this is just a matter of him kind of earning the trust back with the coaching staff and then coming and proving he's healthy. He obviously had the shoulder injury in the offseason. But mm-hmm. I think he's probably going to be the starter going forward. Um, other than that, offensively, there were definitely some drops. And that was part of what I said that on the, when we were talking about OSU's defense, there were some drops by the Baylor receivers that were probably uncharacteristic going back the last couple of games that, that really hurt them in this game mm-hmm. as far as sustaining drives. Yeah. But Zach Smith didn't look real sharp. The one thing that I, I did kind of take away is that OSU's defensive line was able to get a lot of pressure on him, which you hadn't seen OSU do, OSU's defensive line do in the last couple of games. 
I don't know how much that is just based on – I think Baylor right now has five scholarship offensive linemen. Yeah, and, you know, something we talked about – I don't know if we talked about it with Kevin or not, but maybe something that we discovered through looking at it. You know, a lot of their backup options at offensive line are basically like converted tight ends and things yeah. like that. So, I mean, they're not – well, I know as of August that was the case. I haven't seen anything change since then. So – um, you know, I'd kind of like maybe and if we could somehow find the time, I don't see it happen right now with our schedule. I kind of like to do a half time kind of update with some of these teams uh, and talk to some of the guys that we talked to in the spring. If we could find a way to do that and maybe you may have to stretch out throughout the year and just kind of say, OK, what do we know now that we didn't know? Because, I, you know, at that time, the way it looked to me, you had a bunch of guys that were walk-ons or glorified tight ends that were going to back up these offensive linemen. And that's one thing we had talked about, especially when we did the uh, – Oh, the media days review show was, you know, rule talking about nobody can get hurt. And that's true. I mean, that offensive line is thin mm-hmm. uh, and you just can't do that. You know, you're not going to survive the Big 12 that way. You're just not. Yeah. Uh, one thing, my takeaway real quick from this game that I was looking at, Baylor had the ball for, okay, I lost. There it is. A whole 11 minutes more than Oklahoma State. You can't turn in 16 points and have the ball that much more than Oklahoma State. That's just not good. That's not good. Well, and that's the... You know, that's a recipe for defeat. Yeah, I mean, but Oklahoma the, State doesn't need that much time to score as it is. Well, and if you look at Oklahoma State games historically, that's fairly common for the other team to hold the ball longer than yeah, them. Yeah, and that's a good game plan going against them, I, trying I, to keep the ball more. I honestly think that Rule's game plan coming into this was kind of the TCU model. Of yes. We're going to keep the offense off the field mm-hmm. as much as possible, and that kind of goes into them running the ball so much early. But when they got behind at that point, you know, it kind of is what it is. I, I think TCU model is going to work is against the power teams like Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. I think you're going to see that a lot from a lot of people. Mm-hmm. The problem is the difference is TCU has the defensive lineman to make some of that yeah. work, and others don't. Well, and you um, have to be able to score when you have the ball. Yes, that too. And like Iowa State, even to some degree, kind of employ. It seems to me people are starting to employ the method against these offenses. This is not even just the Big 12. I've seen it in the Pac-12. I've seen it in other places too. It kind of seems defensively, and Iowa State did this to Oklahoma, use the defensive line if you've got it as much as possible, bring a guy or maybe whatever, but drop everybody and keep everything in front. And then at that point, you have to make tackles. Mm-hmm. If you can do that, you're, you're not getting burned by these huge bombs every five seconds that are going to kill you and score a lot of points. And you're forcing these offenses to actually go the length of the field time and time again. And eventually, they're going to screw up at some point. And I think that's kind of what you're seeing from people more and more, especially if they can run the ball and hold the ball on the other side of things, which Iowa State could. So, you know, I kind of look for that to happen more and more to Oklahoma, to Oklahoma State, even to TCU, uh, West Virginia. As these quality teams with these really high-powered offenses, as people start to face them, that's what you're going to see more, I really think, is just keep everything in front, hope the defensive line can chase them as much as possible and see where it comes out and all washes out in the end. That's really about the best chance you got. Yeah, and see, that's what I think they were trying to do that in this game. And then, of course, you have Washington with six catches, average almost 40 yards a catch. Mm-hmm. You have Aitman with four catches, almost – Averages almost 30 yards a catch. Yep. So, obviously, the deep plays were working there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the thing. If, if you do that, if you employ that method, you cannot give up the big home runs. Yep. If you do, you're in so much trouble. And Texas, even to some degree, did this against Oklahoma. Now, Texas brought more pressure than a lot of teams, I think, are willing and scared to bring against Oklahoma. Texas can, can kind of cover it a little better with the defensive backs. But still, it was a lot of keep everything in front. Oklahoma took a shot early to Bedette, and then after that, you know, there was things that, that didn't come around until later in the game. So I kind of think that a lot of people are going to try to do that against these teams. One last takeaway from this game for me defensively, Rodarius Williams actually had a good game in this game. In this game, Yeah. So, that I mean, that's encouraging. You look at it, 
definitely the biggest question mark for Oklahoma State this season defensively, outside of not getting pressure on a quarterback consistently, has been the the inexperienced secondary play, and he had a good game. Well, so that's definitely something to monitor going forward. And you had to think they were going to get better. You know, you had to think that you weren't going to see the same kind of performances he's seen because, you know, they're going to get tested eventually. So, um, all right. With that, we will roll on into our next one of the day, which was West Virginia and Texas Tech, and we will bring on Skyler real quick to talk to talk to you about West Virginia. All right, joining us now is Skyler. Skyler covers our West Virginia stuff for us. I think most of you guys have heard him by now. Uh, you know, Skyler, real quickly, where can everybody find you at? So you can find me on Twitter at DVN Callahan. You can follow DoveVNation.com at WVSports247, and then you can also give our Facebook page a like at DoveVNation.com. All right. See, if I tried to see all of our stuff like that, it would never come out. It would come out. It would take like an hour. We can't for even me to say our freaking email address one time. <laughs> yeah, there's no way I would have gotten through all that. Every time I go on their show, I'm I'm like, hang on now, let me think. What? Gotta find gonna, it. Yeah. Well, was it a running joke on our show last year when we were trying to sign off and we'd always tell them where to follow us and we screwed it up every time. Oh yeah, and it never failed because we the, did, we, did, we couldn't get Big Twelve country out. No. Jockstrap <laughs> was the only one to get it right the entire season last year. Yeah, yeah, we should just let him do it from now on. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, man. Talk to us about this West Virginia Texas Tech game because this one was going on during the madness of some of the other games. I actually got to see quite a bit of this one. Uh, as far as you know, Tech kind of uh, guys they had me a little worried early at West Virginia. Tech kind of you know took over early on, and I thought, man, they showed up ready to play because you know you always wonder about that trip for either team. Either rather West Virginia is going to Lubbock. Whether Texas got Texas got to go all the way up to to Morgantown, that's always an issue. You wonder how they're going to handle that. So that's the longest road trip for in the conference, isn't it? Yeah, by far, and it's one of I, they said during the game the other day. I think it's like one of the fourth longest in the country that anybody makes or something like that. I can't remember wow. exactly. Yeah, it's one of the longer ones. Do they ever mention the uh, infamous body clock? No, I mean no, that one didn't. That doesn't come up with us for some reason. I mean, I know it's not West Coast to East Coast. It, it, it only really works West up. Coast to East yeah, Coast. Yeah, apparently it only works if you're like UCLA <laughs> going to Maryland. So anyway, you know, West Virginia comes back and wins this game late. You know, had a key pick to win that. But you know, talk to us a little bit about how that game went for them. How how you know how this game went down. It was obviously tough to get out the gate, and Texas Tech really was ready to show up. And the one thing that Dana made a great point about in the press conference is they had a bad taste in their mouth from last year because last year we kind of went into Lubbock and just took over their home field, and we did. We beat them 49-17. We embarrassed them. Patrick Holmes just was absolutely shot down. They couldn't do anything. And I think they were had that sour taste in that mouth, and they wanted to come and do it on our field. And for the first, you know, 35 minutes of play, they did that. So the thing with West Virginia is they've got to get a complete game together. And this is something I said on our podcast um, there between the ears last week, as I said, we have yet to put a complete game together. And when I talked to Tony Gibson in the post in the post game, he said that it's not anything with miscommunication. We just got to put one full game together. So if you take the, the first half defense against TCU and the second half defense against Texas Tech, we'd be a hell of a defense. So that's the one thing I think we need to, to do is just be able to play from start to finish without getting behind the eight ball because eventually when you play teams like we did with TCU or Oklahoma or Oklahoma State, you, you can't afford those, those misfortunes. Was this a case of Tech maybe showing you guys things, some guys you showing you guys some things you hadn't seen from them, or just just came out rocket fire and had you on your heels and nothing you could do about it? 
I mean, I think it was a little bit of both. I think by far this is the best Texas Tech team that we've played, and that's you know another thing Dana said. And from top to bottom, it's it's the best we've seen since we've been in the conference at least. They've got a hell of a lot better defense. They've got a little bit of a run game now with Justin Stockton and Nisby. And they've got two one or two of the most underrated receivers in the Big 12. No one's going to look at Kiki QT or Cameron Batson as as if they're anything, you know, top notch. But they're pretty good assets. And and TJ Vasher, who had I think his first two catches, he had over 130 yards receiving. I mean, he was a deep ball threat for them on Saturday. So it was a little bit of that. And another thing Tony was telling me was that it was a lot of bad play calling. He said that he wanted to get Shimanek moving out of the pocket because he said anytime that they saw film of him if he got pressure on him he was starting to back up and he would be throwing off his back foot and they saw that in tape and they wanted to exploit that but they weren't able to get the pressure and that's how Shimanek was able to stand in the pocket and just kind of pick him apart in the first half and he said it was more of a bad play calling on his part and he said we blitzed one more time in the second half and we, they gave up a 50-yard touchdown so he said that's it we're playing cover the rest of the game as far as offensively goes cron white is it cron that's the, the yeah, offensive player white. i can't even remember which one's the offensive yes. player uh cron kind of seems like he's kind of starting you know i, I something i talked to you about on you guys show is i'd like to see them kind of establish a third receiver kind of seems mm-hmm. like he's stepping up and making some of those plays for you guys is that fair to say oh yeah for sure and I honestly think if he would have been healthy throughout the spring and in fall camp, he could be our number one guy. And, I mean, he's got the most experience out of any of our receivers by far. I mean, Gary Jennings has been, you know, a decent contributor for the, for the past three seasons, but this is really his first year to actually shine. David Sills, you all know his story. And then Karan White, this is his third year. So, I mean, he and he's been a starter for the, for the last two and a half. Mm-hmm. So I think if he would have been healthy through camp, through fall, and and even back in way back in the spring, he would have got that connection with Will. And I think it's just kind of getting a little bit – it's taking a little time for them to get that. And, you know, Dana said that that's been one thing that has frustrated Will is back in the spring he was he was getting upset that he couldn't get that connection with Karan. And I think now he's starting to get that. He's starting to, to find trust in him as well. Uh, you know, there's not really much – We've talked about Greer, you know, talked about him pretty well and how good he's doing. Anything else, you know, just talk a little bit about what you're seeing from him at this point in the year. I absolutely love it. And, you know, I understand he had another interception. But if you would have looked at the situation, it was third and I think 25 or something ridiculous due to two penalties and then due to a penalty and two sacks or something crazy. So we were backed up inside our own 10 or our own 15 and he threw the ball deep, and it was a pick. But it, honestly, the way our punt game's been this year is probably way better than what we would have done on a punt. <laughs> so, I was I was okay with it. And at first, I was like, "Oh, there's a pick on his on his stat sheet, and I'm going to have to hear about it from Corey in the in, Corey Peters in the group chat." <laughs> but uh, no, I, I'm I'm loving everything he's doing, and this is you know something that we're not used to seeing. You know, a game like that a year ago. You know, I love Skylar Howard to death. I think he's got a tremendous amount of heart and everything, and he's a great guy, great person. Got to meet him today. But to be honest with you, if I don't think he would have been fit for that situation. You know, Will's done this before. We saw him do it at Florida two years ago against Tennessee. He did it again, got the second largest comeback in school history at West Virginia, and the dude is just rolling. I mean, he's he's only going to get better 
the more games he's played. And he's thrown for at least 300 yards in every single game. So I'm loving what he's doing. He's finding confidence. And for the rushing game to not get going in this game was a little kind of confusing because Texas Tech's deep run defense is ever, I think, mm-hmm. like 105th in the country. Yeah, they're never West Virginia's got like one of the best running back groups in the country, and they couldn't do anything. So it was kind of almost – it just kind of befuddled me that we couldn't do that. And then for Greer to just kind of put the, get the team on his shoulders offensively just kind of showed me that, okay, we've got a guy that can maybe get us to that next level. Well, and, you know, when it comes to a pick – a pick a game really isn't that bad in this league, in my opinion. I know it sounds bad, but when you throw the ball as much as we do, and when you're touching the ball as often as these offenses are, I mean, it's going to happen. Just like we talk about, people are going to get burned in this league. It's going to happen. I don't care how oh, yeah. good you could have the best corners in the country every year. You're going to get beat in this game, every game in this league. It's going to happen at some point. So, you know, people got to look at that a little bit differently in this league. A pick a game isn't that crazy to me. Can it hurt you? Yes, it can. But. You know, again, you just kind of have to make the most of it and hope that it doesn't break your back. Well, it just exactly. seemed – looking back at last year with, with Howard, it just seemed like when he would turn the ball over, it was always at some critical junction or something kind of like the uh, Trevor Knight situation. Mm-hmm. So if you can have that turnover be something that doesn't actually impact you, like Skyler said, ends up equating to basically a punt, then it's not as bad. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, uh, and I think if you look at probably three of Greer's five picks – are kind of questionable because the one, the ver- his first one was against Virginia Tech, where we probably should have kicked the field goal anyways, and he had to throw the ball. So that was, that was kind of one that was forced. So I, I mean, I really don't even blame that on Greer. The one, a couple, of, or the one I think it was last week against TCU, Sims was running the wrong route and got missed or crossed up or something. So there's two, and then this one, one that what was like, you know, the equivalent of the punt was three. So I mean, three of his five aren't really bad mistakes. He, now, the other two are a little bit of a bad throw, but, I mean, the thing I look at is I don't care how many – I mean, obviously, if you can keep those interception numbers down as best as possible, that's great. But the thing I really look at is the touchdown-to-interception to ratio. Right now, he's at 21-5, to 5, so that's a plus 16. And plus 16 will get you some wins in this league. What about, uh, you know, one thing I was looking at is your, you know, third down conversions. Does that bother you at all, 4 of 13? I mean, Tech was only 5 of 13, but is that something that you're worried about going forward? Is that kind of atypical? Yeah, um, I think it's something that needs to be addressed, and it's nothing that I'm too overly concerned with at this point in time because it really seems to be that our offense loves to make their plays happen on first and second down. So, most of our scoring plays, I guarantee, if you go back and look at all of our scoring touchdowns or or anything like that, they're probably on first or second down, mm-hmm. which is is could be a good thing and also could be a bad thing because it means if you get in a third down situation, then it, you're in trouble. But the thing with Texas Tech, we had I think there was a couple of times where we got put. I think the reason that number is so skewed is because we were in third and twenty like three or four times, and that was due to a couple of back to back sacks which I think that's really the main thing to take away from this game is the offensive line did not play well. I know you can look at, you know, the running back stats and say they didn't do well, but the fact of the matter is, you know, Greer was getting hit constantly in this game and they weren't getting any push up front for those running backs. So, and I, and that's the one thing that I had the biggest question mark on this team heading into the year is the offensive line. They've proved me wrong all the way up until this point. And I thought they played pretty good. And I think this was their letdown game. Well, did you have any concerns after this game? Any injuries? Anything we need to, to know going forward? Not injury-wise. I think we're still pretty healthy uh, among that front. 
the only thing I just I, I think we need to continue to work on is better tackling and better special teams play. I mean, this is something that we've continued to struggle at. The special teams versus Texas Tech wasn't horrendous like it has been, but it it's still something I think needs cleaned up. Field goal game was okay for, for once. I don't think we even missed a field goal. Uh, the the TCU or not TCU, geez, uh, the Texas Tech kicker. I think he missed three kicks, so that's going to be a thing for them. But kickoff coverage, I think, is our biggest issue right now, and even kicking the ball out of the end zone on kickoffs. We have, I would probably say, five touchbacks this year, if that. Was there and that's in six games? Was there only the one turnover for you guys from Tech? The one at the end with White? Did you guys have another one besides that? Yes. Yeah, just the one. Okay. So that may be something to do, uh, you know, work on going forward. Because I know when your defense has been pretty good, you guys have had quite a few turnovers, which I know is kind of a given. But uh, Yeah, I think the the other thing that's kind of worrying me too is it seems like our offense scores in bunches. And, again, that's a good thing because when you get in a situation like we did this Saturday and you're down 18, you need points quick, you can do it. But – it seems like there's some games it takes our offense a full half to get going. And we're either only sitting at 10 or seven or three points at the half. And then all of a sudden we just decide to bust it out and get going. Mm-hmm. And I think that we need to get going quick, you know, early and often from the first quarter on. I, I think that's something that's kind of a little concerning. Okay. Well, anything else you need to let us know about before we let you get out of here? I, I had one thing I want to talk to you about. Oh, go ahead. Well, let's talk David Seals, man. The guy's obviously having a heck of a season. He has 12, 12 receiving touchdowns. What's going on there? What is, what's the story behind just the, the great connection he has with Greer? They find him the ball when they're in the red zone continually. Yeah. I mean, it's if they get in the red zone, they the ball. Well, the, the biggest thing is West Virginia has struggled in the red zone. I don't know if you guys have really paid much attention to it or not, but until this year, almost ever since Dana has been in West Virginia, that's been – the one glaring weakness of this team, and he gets asked it constantly, and he's about sick to death about this question. Welcome to the uh, spread offense. <laughs> so he, exactly. So he said he was going to go out and he was going to get him a couple six four six five guys, which he got Sills and Dominic Maiden, who's kind of just barely getting in there right now, getting his feet wet. But the thing with David Sills is you're going to hear it a lot. He's a hard worker. He's you know the most determined, motivated kid, and he's all about football. He just loves the game. He believes. He's the greatest receiver on the field. And when I, you know, I was talking to Will uh, during postgame, he said he thinks he's the baddest dude out there. You know, He thinks he can go up and line up across to anybody. He's going to beat that, that corner every single time. And he's pretty much proving that point right now because it seems like no one can stop him. Right. I, I watched a lot of the uh, West Virginia TCU game, and the guy mm-hmm. was just open all day. It, it was crazy. Oh, yeah. Now, now, he won't burn you away. <laughs> I mean, he's got some speed, but, he, you know, for well, his button. stature, he's got pretty good speed. But he's not, you know, that, you know, going to burn you away with a 4-4 or anything like that. But, I mean, to, now, now, Corey, he's not just your, your normal tall white receiver. <laughs> I never said he was your normal tall white receiver. I just said he's not a number one. He's not what I would call a number one receiver. He's not. Like, he's good. He's good at what he does, but he's not what I would call He may end up leading them in stats, but he's I still think, not my first choice for a white receiver. He's just not. I think, I think right now – I mean, and I'm I'm not biased. I'm not trying to be biased about this, but I think at this point in the season, he has to be in that top three for the bullet in the cough. And, and that's in that. my opinion. Oh, I he's got the thing. stats to be, yeah, definitely. Well, and it's going to get a lot. He's going to get a lot more stats before it's over. Well, yeah. the thing he does so well is, is he knows how to use his body. Like he's so big that he knows how to block people off. He gets inside of people constantly. Well, like he, I don't know yeah. how many times I've looked up on a slant route, he's gotten inside of a corner and caught a ball. 
Yeah, and he, mm-hmm. he catches it so good with his hands. And too. the corners in this league are not bringing him down, just kind of diving at him. It's not going to happen. So it, if he gets inside of him and catches the ball and they don't have a chance to get around him, they're, uh, wrap around him, they're not going to do it. No, I, ha- yeah. I had to bring that up with Corey's history with him and, and also the fact I saw him play really for the first time against TCU, and I, I was thoroughly impressed with him. Yeah, he's he's only going to get better, and you know I think – a, a senior year for him would really benefit him, and obviously will. I mean, we that'd be we could go on a whole show about that, but <laughs> I mean, he's just he's done a really good job. He's a hard worker, and I, I think he's going to continue to only get better. I mean, this this defense now, I, I will say that's the one thing I kind of wanted to get back to real quick is I think the one thing we need to get better at is tackling in the open field. I think that's one thing that's definitely got to be addressed. Mm-hmm. See, and I think that's not even just a West Virginia problem. That's a, a Big Twelve problem. I don't it's know a if it's country problem. Yeah, it's, nobody see, it, tackles that well in the open field. If you play in space, like now, if you play in a box, like some of these conferences do, it's a little just different. Running to people, yeah, but yeah, <laughs> when I, I you think, play boundary to boundary, it's a problem for people. And, and it seems to be to me the problem is, is they just don't practice it enough. You know, mm-hmm. with the the emphasis on health that we have nowadays, which is you know, granted, it needs to happen. At the same time, when they go out there, they're not used to hitting people and taking them to the ground. They're used nope. to hitting no. them in or just wrapping them up and the play's dead. Yep, and they've cut you down practices. You don't – I mean, you know, obviously this is nothing new, but you don't have as many scholarship players on the team as you used to in the old days. I mean, it's just – there's so many things stacked against you, you can't do it. You just can't risk it. I mean, you can't risk your stars being out there beat up on constantly. You can't do it. So, no. I mean, what good does it do to have the walk-on out there taking people out? <laughs> doesn't do you a whole lot of good so well what what was your thoughts on nick shamanic i mean i think he he really impressed me and i've been i'm not saying high on the kid but i've always thought he was going to be able to come in and do just enough for them and i think he's exceeded my expectations for that because i thought he would get this team to just kind of be right where they were last year not really drop off mm-hmm but now that he's got a defense, I mean, hell, I bet you Patrick Mahomes is thinking, why didn't I have this defense last year? Right. Well, because not only that, that it's the that, run game, too. Well, that's they, didn't have, they didn't have yeah, a run game. They've run never game. had a run game. We yeah. were, we were talking. I think now that Shimanek's got that to his arsenal, it only, it's only going to make him a little bit much better. He is really, really good in the pocket. Mm-hmm. I will say that. But when, like, like Tony said, once you get him moving, he, he starts backpedaling and throwing off his back foot and – I really didn't pay attention to that in the game because I was just so into the game. But when I went back and watched some of the highlights, Tony was spot on with that. As soon as he starts getting pressured, he is so inaccurate down the field. Mm-hmm. That's what I've always said about him. He's not hes not going to be Patrick Mahomes because he's not that Superman. He's not that, that gamer guy that if you go tug mm-hmm. on his cape and say, okay, we need you to make all these plays, he's not going to do that. But if he can operate inside the system like a lot of tech quarterbacks have in the past, he's going to be a high percentage guy. But if you can get him, you know, if he has to go rescue you, save you, I don't think he can do it. He's not no. that kind of guy. Well, Scott, he, he's not Superman, but I think he's 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 going to be good enough to get them to seven, possibly eight wins. I was talking to, to Corey about this before the show, but how wrong were we on Tech going into this season? I mean, you you and I we can really, really kind of – Yeah, we, we can kind of talk to him because our teams have actually played them at this point, but they've completely blown away my expectations this year. Oh, yeah. I mean, like I said, I mean, when it, things just make a world of difference when you actually have a defense, you have a run game. Because, let's let's be honest, the, the days of just slinging it around 60, 70 times and, and giving up 50 points on defense is not going to win you football games anymore. Right. 
And I think that there's more coaches out there starting to learn that. I mean, hell, if Mike Leach can know that and adapt to it, I think anybody can. (laughs) Well, and to Corey's credit, last year when we were covering Texas Tech and breaking them down all the time, he mentioned in the preseason to watch out for Justin Stockton at the running back position. I think Mm -hmm. he got banged up last year, didn't really do anything, but but he's he's looked good this year. And then uh, the addition of Nisby, I know he didn't do much, it looks like, in this game. But against KU last week, he has four rushing touchdowns. Against Oklahoma State, he has a rushing touchdown. Just bringing some guys in who can actually carry the ball to take some of that load off the passing game has definitely made an impact. And like you said, they're actually playing defense this year. That's That, that makes a world of difference yes. in itself. They're, they're a young team, and I think if they give Cliff some time, I think he can maybe eventually get this team to where their fans would like for it to be. I'm not saying they're going to be a, a Big 12 a contender type of team, but I think they could easily get to be in a consistent eight nine one team. Well, see, it, going into this year, we talked about Kingsbury. He had to be the the Big Twelve coach that seat was the oh. hottest oh, at this yeah. point. I, to me, he's job safe at this point. Mm, yeah, oh, he's, I yeah. mean, I know it's early yeah, in the year still. Anywhere. You can say that, but if they bomb, yeah, he could be. But they'd have to. I mean, just they're go not off going to. Cliff. I will say this: I had you know, Chris and I. We both said that he could have been gone before he even got the Big 12 play because they played Eastern Washington beginning of the year. And Eastern Washington's been known to give some teams, some FBS teams, some fits. Right. And I figured that was my upset, you know, FCS pick over at an FBS mm. school was them going to Texas Tech and winning. Yeah, a lot of our I guys had them that and, and Arizona State, I thought they would lose to them. And I was like, man, he may not have a job by the time we get to the conference. <laughs> I like, gave him four wins on the year. And it was only because nobody could predict them to have a defense or run the ball. Nobody. No, I don't care who you are. I don't care the biggest tech fan in the world. Well, they can. I don't care who they are. They are not going to say that we predicted them to play defense this well, get this many turnovers, or run the ball this well. Nobody. I, I, I don't remember who it was on Twitter, but when we put out our preseason predictions or whatever, this lady ripped oh, us. Oh, they attacked sh- us, but they no, didn't have reasoning for she it. She said, I picked them to finish sixth. She can't conference, but they don't. But they don't. They, she didn't have reason for it. Uh, it's just being hateful. That's looking pretty prophetic, though. I I think they have a good shot of finishing that. Out they might, but I'm just saying that's a fan. That's my point. I don't. We like I tried to explain to other people. We don't do things based off feeling or warm fuzzies we get. It's off logic that we put together, and the logic said that Tech has not played defense ever, so they wouldn't start this year, and they haven't ran the ball <laughs> except for the last three games of last season. That's the, all they've ever done it. So why in God's name would anybody expect them to go into this year and finally do that? That's my point. And oh by the way, you're losing maybe the greatest quarterback the school's ever had. Yeah. So you know, to me, it didn't really look too well for them. That's why people who, if anybody wants to say. Oh, you guys were crazy. They can go to hell because there was nobody that was going to predict this. Nobody. <laughs> to, to, to their credit, I have not heard from them since, but I just wanted to get that out there. that They, they thoroughly impressed me when Oklahoma State played them and obviously chipping out the quick lead in Morgantown of all places. That's I mean, they've, yeah. they've impressed me this year. Yeah, they, uh, there was at one point in the third quarter, I think it was when it was 35-17, and it just seemed like we were getting bad break after bad break and you know penalties and sacks and just – couldn't stop them offensively. He's like, man, if they score one more time, they could open this thing up. I didn't even think about coming back. I was thinking, my gosh, am I going to have to sit up here in the press box and watch them put up 56 on us? <laughs> so it All was right. an interesting game. I had a you know a great time, and I was I was glad I was be able to be able to be there for the win and and get the four and two. We've got a long season ahead of us, and I think you know getting that win is going to help this team only moving forward. Because if you would have lost that game going into Baylor. You just don't know where your head's at being a three and three. 
Well, thanks for coming on with us, Skyler. If you have any photos you want to send us, send us, and we'll put them on the website. If not, no big deal. Absolutely. I know you were there and you got some. So uh, if you do, let us know. Um, I'm trying to think of anything else we need to get from him. Any other thing else you want to ask him? Okay. Uh, we'll try to bring you back on next Sunday, Skyler, if possible. Who do you guys play next? Baylor. Baylor. Uh, so, yeah. yeah, we should be on Sunday. Yeah, you should be on. <laughs> better be on Sunday or we're going to have problems. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll talk to you later, man. Thanks. All right, fellas. Thank you. Bye. All right, now we're going to roll over to the Cotton Bowl game, the big one down in Dallas we have between Oklahoma and Texas. Uh, joining us for the first time as far as you guys have heard him, we've had him on a few times and it hasn't worked out, but uh, his name is Josh. Josh covers Oklahoma for us. Say hi, Josh. Hey, guys. You doing all right? Yes, sir. Where can uh, everybody follow you? I know you operate our uh, Sooner site on Twitter, but what else? where else can everybody follow you at? Uh, if you want to follow my my personal uh, account, which I don't get on too much, um, uh, at T V S H K A H O M M A zero zero. You might need to repeat that. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I guess. Well, yeah, it's not your normal word. Yeah, or you know, if you're not following me on the Sooners account, you can follow me at. Uh, Sooners underscore B12C. Yeah, that's where most people can find it. And I know you spend most of the time on there. So If you can't yeah. find that, look at my history, and you should see a lot of arguments back and forth between the two accounts. That's true. That's true. <laughs> yeah, you should be able to find that. All right, Josh. Uh, you know, just first of all, just some of your overall takes on what we saw Saturday, how it went down. Uh, I'm not going to lie. I got a little nervous. You know, uh, I, I honestly – uh, after the uh, uh, Iowa State game, I thought, you know what? Um, I bet these guys are going to come ready to play. Um, they're going to beat the brakes off of Texas. Uh, it's going to be a great game. Uh, and, it, and it looked like that was going to be the case early on. You know, they jumped out to the early lead, playing really well. Uh, and then, uh, you know, Texas kind of got into their groove on offense and, and, and started moving the ball. And OU's offense stalled a little bit and, and uh, kept the defense on the field and, and weren't giving them much so, yeah, uh, you know, I thought they were gonna come back on them, but the what? Uh, well, I mean, I gotta hand it to Texas too because <clears throat> there was a time, there was a couple points where Oklahoma could have just absolutely stepped on their throat, and especially towards the end of the first half. I mean, they could have come out of that half easily twenty-eight to nothing. Uh, and you know, I have to hand it to Texas first of all for stalling a few of the Oklahoma drives because there was a few times Oklahoma looked like they were going to put it in and they stalled them out and had to settle for a field goal. So I got to hand them to it there. But you know, I gotta I, let me ask you this because it's something I've wanted to bring up on the show and we hadn't really had a chance to talk about Oklahoma in this manner since we've done the show. Um, something I've kind of noticed from this team is they're terrible front runners, and what I mean by that is. If they come out early and really get after somebody, it seems like I don't know if they just kind of go on cruise control or what it is, but they don't finish the game with that intensity. Uh, and it, and it came close to biting them against Baylor. Um, you know, Iowa State even it did bite them against Iowa State. And this game, did you kind of feel that? Have you kind of felt that with this team? In your opinion, where maybe in the first quarter they do that and then they kind of let off a little bit. And is that kind of what happened in this game? Because you go from a situation where Oklahoma is dominating to all of a sudden we have a kickoff. And, again, granted, this team doesn't get to do very many kickoff returns because usually Stiebert kicks it a mile. But they didn't do that. And all of a sudden, Texas is on the 50-yard line and then a late hit, and now they're down to the 30-yard line or whatever. 
And, you know, the game completely changes after that point. It goes from being Oklahoma just dominating to actually a game at that point. So, you know, in your terms, have you kind of seen that from this team? Yeah, I'd I agree 100% with that. You know, I've seen it uh, week in and week out. I, I, I don't know. I really don't know. I don't understand it. But uh, it seems like, you know, maybe the opposing team is making some adjustments and and uh, they're, they're able to kind of find their groove. And, um, you know, we just kind of stall out a little bit here and there. So, yeah, yeah. It, just, it just seems like they can't find the intensity for the full game. Um, you know, what, whatever that, you know, in the Iowa State game, or Ohio State game, it was kind of almost reversed. Like they were kind of, you know, still filling things out, and then all of a sudden they kind of took off. And uh, here lately, ever since then, it's just been, you know, they get on top of people early, and then they don't finish like they should. And, it, you know, uh, I heard somebody else say once, it's kind of like when this team can go in the tank, they can really go in the tank. And, you know, it, it definitely came close to happening again Saturday. Um, as far as, you know, offensively, did you interpret as some of the struggles they had down the stretch, you know, lack of Lamb being out there with some of his issues and things like that? You know, what's going on some of that? What what was Texas able to do to kind of slow down some of this offense? Was it more on the offense, or do you feel like Texas actually did some things well? Uh, you know, I thought uh, at times Texas was able to stop the run um, and uh, kind of, you know, ca- cause, them, cause them not to get the momentum they needed on offense. Um Maybe they didn't feel like the RPOs would op- were opening up, or the other play actions were opening up, or whatever. But um, you know, Texas was able to kind of stop the run, and and then we would just weren't attacking down the field. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it just seemed like down the stretch. Just you know, I don't know if it was it was you know a case of Baylor's of Baylor, sorry, of Baker's uh, shoulder or, or what the deal was, but it just wasn't a lot of deep balls. Um, you know, he hit, he hit uh, uh, Andrews on the, the touchdown pass, which was a decent throw. Um, but, I mean, other than that, there just wasn't a lot of deep balls, and they weren't they weren't attacking down the field. And, and I think that kind of was part of it. You know, they mm-hmm. kind of made their living off of big plays. I mean, if you go back and look at how many big plays the Sooners have had this season, they've had a whole mess of them. Uh, and, uh, you know, they just didn't really attack down the field a lot. Uh, yeah. And, so yeah and, and they had some chunk plays i think i remember seeing a stat pop up around halftime maybe a little before a little after where they had had like six over 20 yards or something already at that point so they had had some but you're right you know they opened the game with a bomb to bidet uh and then after that it was really not much of anything deep and i and it was hard to see you know unless you had the all 22 look what texas was doing on the back end at times but they were bringing enough pressure you had to feel like some guys were open and obviously obviously Bidette got hurt came out of the game uh you know Brown eventually got hurt and came out of the game and that's your two speed guys there um and they're not playing and you know Lamb I, he was playing but he obviously wasn't 100% so you know I don't know how much of that factored into it uh running back wise um uh well, I'm trying to think of his name Sermon had another great game uh you know the kid I think is going to be a star uh, you know, the, um, what's his name? The running back we thought that was going to do so, that could do so well coming in this year. Um, yeah, Rodney Anderson. Yeah, Rodney Anderson had a really great game. Uh, did some, I mean, by, would you say by far his best game as a Sooner considering he's either been hurt or hasn't done much? Um, <coughs> yeah, I mean, he averaged, he averaged uh, almost five yards a carry uh, for, for the game. So, mm-hmm. you know, not that really. And I think um, got his first touchdown of the, his career, didn't he? Didn't he score a touchdown? I think he scored a touchdown. I could he be wrong. He touchdown. did score. He did score okay. a rushing touchdown. It was a, it was a 21-yard uh, run. I think he scored a touchdown really earlier really this good, season, though. Really Didn't. good run, yeah. 
Okay. I couldn't remember. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they, again, the running game did enough, did well. Um, you know, and I'd have to look at the stats. I actually haven't had time to look at them. But, I, you know, usually whoever wins the rushing battle wins this game, and it kind of felt like Oklahoma definitely did that because Texas didn't even have a 100-yard rusher except for their quarterback, and most of that came on – you know, scrambles and such. So uh, as far as defensively, I don't know about you, but I was ecstatic about what Mike tried to do in this game. Uh, you know, sometimes some of it worked, some of it didn't. There were times they three down, three down linemen and dropped at times I thought we shouldn't have. But overall, I mean, what was your take on what Mike tried to do, the approach defensively in this game? You know, I thought the defense looked, I mean, just – so much better, so much better. Night and day difference um, than, than than what we looked like the last couple of weeks. Um, and and I think uh, you know we've had some guys that have been playing through some injuries and they haven't been a hundred percent. And and I think they still weren't a hundred percent this week. But you know, it, of course, it was Texas, so uh, that didn't matter. They were going to play up. And 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 I think Mike did a good job. Uh, I liked the scheme. Uh, you know, he didn't he didn't have to bring a lot of people. I mean, Texas is banged up on the O line. Uh, so, so they were going to get a rush on the quarterback. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it was, it was mostly three and four man rushes, and and they were getting pressure. Yeah. Um. I. I, I mean, Obo's a freak, and it doesn't it doesn't matter who who he's going against. He's going to get pressure. Uh. And and he did an amazing job of getting a lot of pressure. Um. You know, Lampkin. Uh. Lampkin got in there and. Mm-hmm. Lampkin got a lot of pressure, and I seen Amani Bledsoe on the field a lot. And yeah, Bledsoe that, did play really, really well. Really helping getting Bledsoe back off of uh, suspension and uh, going to add some depth to that line. I mean, Romar was obviously out, which would hurt, but um, yeah, I like the scheme. I thought the linebackers played a lot better. I I, I liked it. Yeah, I think Mike, Mike did it well. Well, the, the thing I liked about it the most is, you know, people want to knock the secondary, but they've been having to cover guys for five seconds because we've been sitting three-man fronts. And it's sure. just – it's not helping them at all. I don't care who you are. You're going to have a hard time defending receivers in this league doing that. You've got to take some chances and come after guys. And the thing I like about Mike, my biggest criticism of Mike for years is he's very uncreative pre- and post-snap. He doesn't disguise things very well. A lot of times, say, when we started this crap with Stryker, where, where we started really rushing him off the end, you knew what he was going to do every snap. Like, it was just, there was no disguising any of it. Uh, he did a lot better job with that, I thought, in this game. You saw guys dropping right before the, the snap of the ball, right. things like that. You saw linebackers in and out. And then I thought, you know, there was times where he was dropping defensive linemen that you didn't expect and things like that, that it's not typical of him to do. So, you know, I, I really, really appreciated that. And then you saw some more stunts and things up front, you know, our defensive linemen have traditionally been terrible about all they ever do is blitz run right at people. They don't ever try to confuse linemen or anything like that. And you saw some of that Bledsoe ate up some Texas offensive linemen doing some moves and things. So, you know, I really appreciated that effort from them. Uh, and I think it went a long way to defending, you know, to protecting Oklahoma against the pass down downfield. Uh, it's hard to throw the ball when your quarterback's constantly being chased off his spot. So, yeah, and, and uh, just looking at, uh, you know, passing stats for Texas, you know, they they threw for two hundred and seventy eight yards, and what's interesting about that is, uh, you know, fifty five of those were on, you know. Uh, screen passes and, and, and mm-hmm. running back out of the backfield. So yep. um, I, 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 one thing that, that did that did irk me was I, I felt like um, 
Texas really only ran three plays that were successful. Yep. And it was mm-hmm. quarterback run. It was a, a, a screen pass, and it was running back out of the backfield. Yep. Um, that screen that, ate us up, but it was oh, so man. key every time they ran it. Uh, I mean, it led to their first touchdown of the day, you know, and it, they just – every time they ran it, they ate them up with it. They did not – and then, yeah, whoever's job it was to pick up the running back out of the backfield each time on a swing pass, you know, never, never did. Not one time the whole day. No. So, no, I mean – It was bad. You're right. If they would have found a way to shut down those screens and things, it would have been just, I mean, lights out. And honestly, I think if Bouchelle's back there or a quarterback who's not as mobile – this defense would have had a tremendous day. I mean, I think it would have been – people would have been, you know, crowning them because they would have ate up any quarterback who could not move. Uh, there were so many times that they had him dead to rights and he leaked out, which hands off to that kid. I mean, you know, 230-pound kid, he's not exactly small, uh, and he runs well. So, you know, there. but anybody – any other quarterback uh, that Texas would have had, I guess maybe not heard, would have just absolutely been eaten up. So, um, you know, I thought – I was really ecstatic with the defense overall. Um, was there any worries, concerns you took away? I know we had a few injuries. Uh, I haven't seen any update on um, uh, all of the safety. Uh, Khalil Houghton, you know, he had that hit late. I hadn't seen any updates on him or anything. Is there any other injuries that you've seen any updates on since then? I have not. I have not. I think they, they should. Um, probably tomorrow, you know, press conference. Tomorrow, press yeah. conference tomorrow, and they'll, they'll probably give us updates. Um, you know, uh, I can't. Even, I don't even know how to pronounce the the kid's name. I, I, I've been calling him uh, Etlin, Etlinger, but Ellinger. Ellinger. Yeah. See, I called Ellinger. him Ellinger forever too. And then when we started uh, interviewing some of the Texas people, they said it was Ellinger. So. Yeah. So you know, after you know what a few weeks ago, I was I was dogging him about how trash he was and. Oh yeah, uh, you were pretty hard on him during the USC. You know, game. you know this and that, and and he he impressed me. I'm gonna be honest. Uh, he impressed me and. I think he's going to win a lot of games in Austin. I, I don't know how much this means to people because considering how bad they've been at the position, but in my opinion, this is the smartest and the most capable quarterback they've had since Colt McCoy. Oh, like, I, I don't I think would, there's any I doubt. I 100% agree with that, no doubt. And I know pe- you know, people may not think that much of that because they've been so bad at the position, but I, I – to me, it's not even close. Like I, you know, even the one game we saw to Garrett Gilbert, I didn't have a, you know, I didn't expect. I, I expect a lot of big things out of Ellinger. I well, think he's going to do great things for them. The thing to remember too is he's a true freshman. Mm-hmm. So yeah, he's not as good as a passer right now as Shane Michelle is. That's going to come, and if he can keep the the tough mentality that he has and the ability to run the ball. Yeah, he's a gamer. Yeah, that that's the biggest thing that he brings to me. Is I think I saw somebody tweet out, and this really rings true with him to me is Shane Michelle. Plays not to lose. Mm-hmm. Sam Ellinger plays to win. Mm-hmm. Yep, that, that's a huge deal at Texas because they haven't had that. No, and they need it right now because not yeah. everything's right. You know, if it was, if this was Texas 2005, it'd be a little different if you had that kind of team around you, but you don't. Well, and, and we talked about it going into the season. Was it possible for him to replace Bichelle? And I think we've seen it. I mm-hmm. mean, I don't see any way they try to have Bichelle again. Well, I mean, in you know March, except you know March uh, May through May or whatever, there was possible. It's possible. Right. It's possible. And then as we got into August, a lot of the people we talked to, no, it's not going to happen. So well, Michelle you know. obviously deserved the first shot, but at this point, it's mm-hmm. pretty obvious who the quarterback is. Yeah, no doubt. Um, you know, Josh, is there anything else? Do you, you know, is you getting to watch Texas like you did? Is there anything from them you really like going forward? I mean, how are you with their progression? I think they're progressing really well, and and uh, like I told you guys. Um, not on air, but you know, Texas has so much talent on that team and 
far more talent than anybody else in the Big 12 besides Oklahoma. And, 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 by, and by talent in that regard, I mean, uh, you know, blue, blue chip recruits, mm-hmm. um, you know, players that, that, they've, that they've got um, on their roster. Um, and, and they have a lot of uh, uh, potential. Um, I'm interested to see how the rest of the Big 12 matches up with them. You know, I, I think I think Texas played really well. I mean, you know. Well, the thing given, that Texas but, the thing that Texas is going to cause problems for people they're not they're not what you face every week in this league. They're different. Um, first of all, they play defense really well, which you can't say about a lot of other teams. Uh, and secondly, just the way they're built, the way they like to run the ball, you know, a lot of the things they do offensively, especially having a quarterback like they've got, uh, they're just not your typical offense and things that you're going to see every week. So that's going to give them an advantage because you're only going to have one week to prepare for this team. That's quite a bit different. And then you mix in the fact that they do have talent. You know, it's not just smoke and mirrors. They actually can out-athlete you in places so you know it's gonna it's gonna be a challenge for people going forward to face this team. They've got to figure out a way to start running the ball successfully. Mm-hmm. And, and, they, and again, they do have to work on the pass game too. It's got to get better. Uh, and I know part of that was the fact Ellinger was running for his life a lot, which is going to happen behind this offensive line. But um, that's something that's definitely if they can find a way to get him some time. Because like I saw when when we saw that night, we saw I think Josh was in the group conversation with us that night when we saw Iowa State play Texas. I said blank, blank, point blank. If Mike Stoops does not come after this offensive line every play, I'm going to be upset because yeah. they just yeah. they've got problems. But, but what I'm talking about, if you look at look at their rushing attempts, I mean they had 17 yards out of the primary three running backs. Mm-hmm. Well, I think part of that too, they get so much from Ellinger. I think they kind of. I don't know if it kind of fools them into thinking they have done enough running the ball. I'm not really sure there. I'd, I'd like to know. I'd like to ask them that. Is are you get is what you're getting from Ellinger? You feel like enough of a, a support to the rushing game that you're not because honestly, I mean, Josh, can, is it fair to say 98 percent of Ellinger's yards were scrambling? Oh, yes. I mean, I, I can't. I think he ran a couple plays. I, I think he ran a couple plays, but most of it was him getting chased off the ball. So, uh, you know, I don't – how much do you really attribute that to rushing? Is it enough? Because obviously they're going to do what Oklahoma wants to do and get into play action in situations like that and throw the ball downfield. So is it enough of a threat? I'm not sure. You know, I, I, it's hard to say. Well, one thing I thought that Mike Stoops could have done different was he could have, he could have um, you know, had uh, Kenneth Murray spying on Ellinger and mm-hmm. keeping him – that's one thing I would have, I wanted to see differently was because we were getting the pressure on him. He was fleeing the pocket, but then there was no one in the middle of the field. And so he was able, I mean, he rushed for 110 yards. Yeah. And, and see late, I kind of wonder if that did go on a little bit because you did start to see Murray in the backfield quite a bit on that last drive or two. All of a sudden he was in his face quite every time he left the pocket and rolled out, he was in his face. So I kind of wonder if maybe that did go on to some degree, but yeah, I agree. They could have done something like that. But I mean, again, I hate to beat up on Mike, but he's never been known for halftime adjustments. It's not something he's ever done really well, in my opinion. It seems like whatever game plan they go, they started out with is kind of the game plan they're going to go quarter to you know first quarter to fourth quarter with. So, you know, we'll see going forward with that. Um, anything else you got you want to mention from this game? Not, not. I mean. You know, the only other thing is, you know, uh, I think everybody's seen a lot of people talking about it was the penalty. Yes. I didn't want to get too much into it because it, yeah. I don't want to make it sound like it. Look, here's I'll say this real quickly. It was bad enough that it impacted the game. Now, for me to say that that was the reason it was a close and tight game, I can't go that far with it. 
Um, there was definitely some times, especially on third down, where Texas converted. Uh, and otherwise, I think Ellinger's probably flat on his back. But for the most part, it's hard to say that, you know, I, I can't – some of these people are making it out to be like Oklahoma wins 50-3 to three if they call some of these plays. Sure. That's not the case. It's not. Oklahoma definitely – screwed up in some places and let Texas back into this game. But, uh, again, it, it's people who also want to play it the other way and say, well, holding happens in every game. It, it's, it wasn't that either. It was worse than that. It was not just your typical, oh, holding it's every game and nobody calls it. There was right. some really, really bad calls that were missed. Um, I could easily go through my DVR and find you 10 or so that were egregious that they didn't call. Um, but that said, you know, it definitely affected the game. There were some plays that could have been and some outcomes that could have come differently from it. But I can't I can't get on board with the well it dramatically changes the the game. I just can't go that far with it. Yeah, and I agree with that. And I and I typically I typically stay away from it, you know, because I mean, people are just griping, they're complaining, they're trying to find some excuse, you know, why this or that. Mm-hmm. But it, it it was pretty bad, and and uh, I've been <laughs> I've been scrolling through Twitter and seeing a lot of people. Uh, that have been going through their DVR, rewatching the game and posting, uh, you know, just short clips, of, mm-hmm. uh, you know, over and over and over and over. And I and I saw people count. Some people had counted, and um, one one person said that uh, there were uh, 38, 38 holds, <laughs> thirty eight blatant. Oh. I mean, just like tackling the defender holds. And there were like seventeen of the thirty-eight. They were on Oboe alone. Yeah, Oboe had quite a few that he had called. I don't know yeah. if I can get to that high of a number, but um, and again, like I said, every game there's some that don't get called. It happens, and I understand. And that's that. just that's the nature of it. I mean, it's you can't. There were calls they didn't call for Texas either. I don't want people to think that's not the. There were some holding calls they could have called on us. There was you know a potential pass interference, pass interference uh, in the end zone that they didn't call. If they'd have caught him grabbing his jersey, so. You know, there were some things that went both ways, but it, it, trust me, if you didn't see the game and you see all the – it was bad, put it that way. But I uh, I can never blame the refs enough to say that it just come dramatically changes yeah. this game. So, anyway, all right. With that, we'll get out of here. We'll let you go so we can get this show wrapped up and I can get to work. We'll talk to you later, man. Thanks for coming on. All right, guys. See you. Thanks. See you. Good night. You too. All right. That was Josh. Covers Oklahoma for us. Uh, finally, we weren't able to get our TCU guy on tonight. He was busy, so let's roll into that game a little bit. Uh, how much did that uh, – see, I know it was kind of you – know, obviously, TCU-Kansas State, for those who wanted to know who they're playing. Um, you know, it was 26-6. to 6. I kind of thought maybe the game was a little bit indicative of the weather delay. It just was kind of dull. You know what I mean? It just wasn't flashy. There was nothing great about it. Uh, you know, Kansas State obviously was a little bit behind the eight ball right off the bat. Uh, you know, just any thoughts you had. I know, you, didn't you say you got to watch a little bit of this waiting on the Oklahoma State game or no. you couldn't? Okay, I didn't know if you got to. I'll tell you, my, my prime takeaway, obviously, is Ertz not playing hurt them a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's what I meant by them being behind the eight ball. Patterson even mentioned that, you know, with this being Delton's first start, he dialed up a lot of blitzes that he normally wouldn't mm-hmm. just to try to confuse him, and obviously it worked. Uh, I, I am confused, maybe, and this may be something we need to talk to Jake about off the air. Where was Kansas State's running game outside of Delton? I mm-hmm. see 19 rushing attempts for Delton, but only 10 out of the running backs. Which that, it's kind of been, I don't know, I, again, there's something you talk about, Jake, but I don't think they've run the ball that well all year. Yeah. Not that I've been able to tell anyway. Well, and, and that's concerning if you're a Kansas State fan because their offense is running the ball. Exactly. I mean, we, we've always talked about that. Mm-hmm. Going into the year, we had some hope for the receivers. That's what just, sustains them. If they're going to go next level, it's passing. But yeah. sustaining them is running the ball. And the receivers just haven't been there this year. 
I don't know, man. Just looking at the game, I know Jake was really disappointed in the outcome. But TCU kind of did what they do. I mean, they, they controlled. Obviously, they kind of dominated the line of scrimmage. Were able to really do what they wanted to do. Well, and when you have a team like TCU, who's obviously got players defensively, they're they're good defensively. Um, when, and we've talked about this, for instance, with Oklahoma in the Sugar Bowl last year. When you go up against a team that's got players like a TCU – um, and you are kind of one-dimensional, you're in trouble. You're not going to be able to do things. Just like Auburn, that's what the comparison we had, Oklahoma and Auburn. Auburn was a very one-dimensional offense, and Oklahoma exploited that. That's the same type of situation here. If you cannot throw the ball and get them out of your box, out of your way, get them a little bit off your back, you're screwed. Uh, and the fact that TCU can do that with just you know four or five guys and pretty much take you over up front really hampers things. So, uh, And then you know, you've got a quarterback with his first start, Obviously, TCU cut people loose quite a bit and came after him. Uh, you know, I, I think Gary Patterson would say this was a great win and everything. It was a good win, don't take me wrong. I just expect a little more out of both of these teams than what we got Saturday. Um, but, it, you know, nevertheless, it got the job done. TCU won the game. They won the game comfortably. I don't think it was really ever in doubt from what I can tell. Um, you know, looking at some of the stats, they really kind of shut Kansas State down. Went a whole lot to do. Now, again, I would like to have seen a little bit more from TCU, but, you know, Kansas State – is you know they're tough to beat at home. They're not you know other than a few games in the last few years I can think of they've done really well at home. So you know they're not just going to go in there and be pushed around at home either. But um, you know you're not again to me if you're going to take away if you're going to to hurt TCU you've got to take away the run game and force Kenny Hill to beat you. And that's not something that Kansas State was able to do obviously. Well, see they took they did take away the run game. I mean, but I mean at, not enough. To, no, you know, I understand. But, yeah, but I'm looking at the stats here. You know, going into the going into the preseason, coming into the season, would you have ever believed that the two teams, these two teams, would have combined for 168 yards rushing? No, I mean that's that's <laughs> that's definitely fair. Well, that's um, crazy to me. I mean, obviously the weather really impacted this game, mm-hmm. but uh, I, I was kind of reading up before we got onto this. Darius Anderson's been kind of the the bell cow for TCU this season. It looks like he had an early fumble that they lost that ended up. It looks like Patterson benched him after that and went back to Kyle Hicks. Mm-hmm. He didn't have a lot of success. 16 carries for 58 yards isn't a great great day by any means. But, I mean, I, I'm not ready to say Kenny Hill is a good quarterback by any means. He's an okay quarterback. But he's he's making all the plays. And he's making all the plays he has to. Mm-hmm. I, I, I've seen a lot of national guys start saying, you know, when are we going to start talking about Kenny Hill for Heisman? To you, is, is he a Heisman contender? No. He's done enough. To be to win, but I I can't put him as a Heisman contender yet. Like well, he doesn't. I I mean honestly, I'd have to sit down and put his numbers lined up against other people. But I know he hasn't done what a few of the quarterbacks have done in this league right now. But see, he has the numbers. What he's really done good this year is for one, he's not gone Kenny Hill mode, mm-hmm. but he's also he's converted crucial third downs. That's been mm-hmm. uh, I think he's that was managed one of the, things the game well. Jake that's Trotter exactly what he's done, and, and that's my point. That's my opinion of Kenny Hill this season. TCU is having success because they're focusing on running the ball, and he's not breaking and limiting, them back. and yeah. limiting him. They don't want Kenny Hill to carry the team anymore, mm-hmm. like they did last year. That's exactly what I said at the beginning of the year. That's why I said you couldn't win the game or win the Big Twelve with him as your quarterback because people have had to rely on him to do that. And I don't, you know, I they've kind of gotten away with it this year, but they still, with the exception of Oklahoma State, who have they played in this league? 
Right. That's that's really going to challenge them. Uh, I guess West Virginia, they played them a little. Didn't they play them already? Yes. Yeah. That was a heck of a um, game, by the way. Yeah, and it was a good game. I just, I, there's going to have to be a team when they play like maybe a Texas that can play defense really well. Oklahoma's not bad on defense uh, and play can play offense. That's when we're going to push Kenny Hill and find out what he's made of. And then if they come out on the other side of that, then we'll talk and see what kind of numbers he puts well, up. But, I don't know that they've played from behind this year either. No, that's, that's, the, that's the point. Yeah, yeah, you've got to put it on him to beat you. He's got to be the one that has to come back and deliver the win. You do that to them. You will beat them. Period. I know he. I will bet three weeks' paycheck that if they force, if you for, if somebody forces Kenny Hill to beat them this year, he will fail. And it, and he hasn't had to do that yet. Yeah. You know, even against Oklahoma State, they were up early. They took off. You know, Oklahoma State. It took them all game to come back and make a game of it. So he was never really forced to do anything crazy. Right. So I don't know. We'll see. Um, I didn't really get to see much of this game. I watched it a little bit, but you know the, the late start time threw it into the other games. We ended up having like four games on at once, so I didn't really get to watch it. That's why I was hoping to have Jerry on. But well, and to TCU's credit, I mean they did what they were supposed to do. They went out, they handled business on the road. There were a lot of teams in the AP in the you know top twenty-five that went on the road this week and went home losers. Mm-hmm. They went on the road, come back 20-point winners. Yep. That's, that's what good teams do. Yep, and they shut Kansas State down. Now, again, I would have liked to have seen Kansas State with a better quarterback, but, you know, and, and you know, because, again, it didn't look like TCU just absolutely went out there and wiped the fourth, and they didn't. Yeah. So it would have been interesting to see that scenario. Yeah, I think this um, is kind of a game. You take the win, you move on. Survive really and get a whole out of it. Yeah, exactly. And I, like I said, I think the weather delay was kind of indicative of what we saw. Yeah. I, I think it kind of led to a lot of this. So, But uh, anything, anything else you want to um, – to throw up before we get out of here? No. I think that's pretty much it. Uh, go to the website. I'm sure we'll have some articles, some new ones up this week, I would think. Well, I would we hope. will definitely. If the writers <laughs> are doing their jobs. Um, we'll be back Wednesday night. With the preview. With the preview for this coming week. Um, we're being told Brady and Kendall are going to be back anytime. So Brady should be wrapping up his uh, college course he's doing. Uh, Kindle, I don't know. I'm still trying to find out for Kindle. And if you guys haven't figured it out by now, we're we're just normal people. We're not, you know, sportscasters or anything by any means. We have other jobs. We have. Oh no, I would love to do this for a living. Fam- but. Yeah, we have family life that that's really kind of screwed up the last couple of weeks. But we think we have a schedule that we can work on. The other guys coming back will hopefully help as well. But we should be good going forward. Well, the thing is, is like I can't do a show by myself, and you know, like if you couldn't make it, that's canceled a show. Or yeah. where in the past I could have called up Kendall and said Kendall would have been there, you know, yep. or whatever. So uh, that's kind of where we've fallen into. And I refuse to do a show by myself. I don't want people to have to listen to me for two hours. I just don't. <laughs> that's not. I mean, I know I host and talk the most, but uh, it would be a nightmare. So uh, yeah, I wouldn't have any time to collect my thoughts, and it would just be awful, awful, awful. Yeah, so I get that. Uh, all right. I think that's it. I can't think of anything else we need. No new news or updates or anything like that. should be it. All right. We will see you guys on Wednesday evening with a preview. I had to think of one thing. If any, anybody on that's listening to the show at this point happens to be a Texas tech fan that is interested in covering Texas tech for us, we we've lost another contributor for them just due to some family reasons. Mm -hmm. So we we would be open to any potential Texas tech contributor. So you're out there, let us know. I doubt yeah. any Texas Tech fans are listening to the show at this <laughs> yeah. point, but hey. You, you could reach out to us on, on Twitter, the main handle, at Big XII Country, or any of the other guys. Just, just let us know. Mm-hmm. All right, man. Uh, I guess until next time, everybody say bye. See you guys. See you all. Thank you.